Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, pre-pay and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants, oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the ten. number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to 2020. The first episode to go down in 2020. And we're stoked to be here with... 
Jeff Yokoyama. That's right. Thank you. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Got it. Got it? So for those of you who don't know who Jeff Yokoyama is, holy shit. You're going to find out right now. <laughs> this guy, I don't know. You've, you've been involved and created some of the most iconic brands yep. in surf, culture. skate, action sports culture. And pretty much, I think you would probably, if people were to say you're the Kevin Bacon of the surf industry. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice one. <laughs> Thank you. Right? You're, 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 you age well like a glass of wine. You look, you're, oh, you look great. You. you look fit. You look, uh, yeah, you're, you look youthful. Work, work's probably keeping you busy. Yeah, it has been. And thanks for um, having me here today. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, Jeff, real quickly, before we dive into your history the history tell us your body of work like give us your quick oh gosh okay yeah when uh, 1980 um i was 24 years old i was a hairdresser at that time and um that's when i started a brand called maui and sons it was going to be a cookie that's right, company people. maui and sons <laughs> everybody listening has had a piece of clothing from maui and sons for sure oh i love it thank you sorry for cutting and you off but no that's okay um we we wanted to do grandma maui hawaiian style cookies but we burnt the first batch and <laughs> we thought you know we're, we're not we're not cookie makers but we, Originally, we, it was going to be a cookie factory? It was going to be a cookie company, yeah. What the hell? It's, Maui and Sons was going to be a cookie factory. Yeah. And wow. we had the cookies all named after different cities in Maui. So the Makawao would be upcountry, which would be more of the nuts and granola type of cookie. And then the Lahaina would be where all the people got married all the time. So it would, it would be the wedding cookie. And my grandma ran the poi factory in Wailuku. So the Wailuku was the thumbprint cookie. And uh, Haleakala was the volcano cookie, the cookie that was triple chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. And wow. Um, so you know, my dad was born and raised on uh, on Maui, and um, we wanted to lead. <coughs> excuse me, lead back to um, that heritage, but also the lifestyle of what it was like. Gosh. It, maybe 80 years ago. That's so crazy. Yeah. So who had cooking or like uh, baking um, well, background? These were all Grandma Maui's um, recipes. recipes, yeah. Cool, so, so it was Grandma's. And, but we tagged it with the names and things yeah. like that. Yeah. So, but um, we were living in CDM in a three bedroom house um, on Dahlia Street. And we thought, why don't we start our little business out of this house here? Um, luckily for us, the rent was uh, a grand total of $450 for a three-bedroom, <laughs> two-bath. And this is in 1980. Um, I was 24 years old, as I mentioned. And we didn't know diddly about um, making clothes or becoming a business. So we just... Um, figured, you know what, why don't we just try it? And I lived at the time with a guy named Rick Rietveld. And the Rick Rietveld is the artist yeah. that um, amazing, amazing piece. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued 
at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. of work every single day I was in his room I'd wake him up at five in the morning six in the morning we'd go surf but then we'd also hang back out for the whole entire day and coming up with concepts and ideas so it was you so, and he that started uh-huh Maui and Sons and then I needed about um 3,500 bucks because I bought some fabric at a at a fabrics show they were just starting to have shows and I thought okay yeah I'll buy some Madras plaid fat fabric from India and nobody nobody knew what India was yeah nobody knew what Madras plaid was you couldn't go on the internet and there was no, yeah. Yeah, source there was that. no internet <laughs> or anything yeah. so so anyway we we gave the guy a thousand bucks for a retainer hold and three months later goes by and my um my partner looked at me and he goes you you just got taken for whatever amount of money that we had into yeah. it and then about a day or two later um the fabric showed up at <gasps> our back door wow. and i just went oh shit and we opened it it smelled like gasoline or kerosene it was in burlap bags and we cut them all off and we opened them up they were 24 inch wide goods and which really short but um and then when we unrolled it and laid out our patterns on just to make one, it shrunk probably 50%. So our <laughs> oh. patterns and everything needed to be adjusted, which we didn't know anything about also. Yeah. But long story short, we, we started building the product um, and took it to Hobie Sports, took it to Newport Surf and Sport, Paul Hughes and Stan saw it, RB saw it here in CDM, and um, we also sold it to At Ease and the first delivery, everything was sold in in like three days. Holy crap! And we went. What did you oh, make? Board we shorts? made we made elastic waistband shorts okay. and t-shirts. Yeah, and the Maui logo was the cookie logo, basically. Got it. Got it. It just didn't have Grandma's name on it. It didn't say Hawaiian style. It said um, Maui and Sons. Okay. Sorry to. Totally. Yeah, I get totally. <laughs> let, let me flip this because I, I want to go to each thing chronologically cool. and and, um, and then talk and, about and it. talk about it right. each way. So run off all the brands that you've been involved with. After Maui and Sons, we started a brand called um, Pirate Surf. That was in '89. Revolutionary. Yeah, Huge. thank you. And then from there, we um, sold that to Quicksilver in the '90s, and then. Um, I left there after about a year and then started a brand called Modern Amusement. And Modern Revolutionary. Amusement, <laughs> Modern Amusement, we sold mostly in Japan at that time. And then um, in between there, there was a time where I 
worked at Stussy and um, that was in 94 somewhere in between there and at that time Sean was about ready to leave and they were grooming me to take Sean's spot um, but after a year and a half Sean left Frank which was Sean's partner said hey are you ready to drop in and I just said no you know I paddled out but I'm not ready to take off yet and <laughs> he goes oh oh god and I said you know there's only one Sean Stussy and um, I'm not able to fulfill his shoes yeah he's remarkable how good he is uh, and spending that year and a half with him that's a whole nother story yeah that would blow your minds too and probably blow your audience or mine put it away we, we, we want to get on uh, get him on here too yeah for sure but we're yeah. gonna hear the story now I know. too I know. Yeah. So. This is epic. and so after that um i sold modern amusement about 14 years ago to um massimo and massimo took modern amusement um to the main market yeah. and ex it exploded a lot of people liked it um but as in some of the things that the, the market was doing and then also the way that Moss ran this particular business, it changed on him. And um, he, um, I believe, has licensed it now to PacSunway. Mm -hmm. um, that was the time where there's a transition from me selling it to working for about six months with them up in Santa Monica and then um, having John Moore come in, which you yep. spoke with before. Mm -hmm. um, and I left probably after <coughs> a couple months into that um, transition. Um, and then I thought that I needed to change the way I I was and then also change the way that I designed and change the way that I sell and make so I came up with the thing design different make different and sell different and make different or design different would be um, to design from things that are already here S make different make it in your own shop and make it by hand and make one piece at a time and and sell sell direct to the end user so i dropped off of the whole circuit about 14 15 years ago and i i saw something last night that kind of reminded me of my thanks back to this industry and that was um seeing renee Zellriger, I got her name wrong. <laughs> she was, she was, Golden standing, Globes. Yeah, standing up in front, and she won a Golden Globe. Um, and she said, "Thank you for inviting me back." <laughs> and you know, she's been away basically for seventeen years. She yeah. had some different things that happened in her journey of doing, yeah. being a, a actress. Uh, actress. And um, I had a lot of similarities of things over the last 14 years yeah by jumping off of of uh, the circuit and then also jumping off of the 405 because I swore I would never get on the 405 again to do um, the back and forth and um, Lucky you yeah, qu <laughs> it, quality it, of life I mean that yeah that wears you down and you know ugh. 
No four or five for if, yeah. you, if you could pull something off like that, then that's what we tried. And yeah. you know, there was a lot of humble pie, and there was a lot of pushing a rock up a hill all by yourself. There was a lot of moments where are we doing the right thing? There was a lot of um, months without a paycheck. Um, so you know, a lot of things. And but she said that her partner said um, just do the work and that's basically what we've been doing we stuck to ourselves, um, and we've been doing the work with the Yoki's garden project that we do okay. the Yoki shop project that we do and then the mutual aloha project that I do yeah so all three of them we owned we started all three of them um, about 14 years ago and each one has uh, a spot in the market that has been very elusive to a lot of people in our industry. Yeah. Um, we thought that there would be more people following of some of the things that we had entered into over the years, but we noticed that everyone else was doing a race to the bottom. Yeah. We were doing a race of just staying above water. Yeah. 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 It's, it's hard to tr tread water for. 14 years, but um, <laughs> shit, we're glad we did because I couldn't compete with trying to be the lowest price point out right. in the market. Yep. And the first to the market, I couldn't compete. And fast fashion was just taking over the world. The world. It yeah. was. Yeah. So. It seems like it's kind of come come back a little bit where, it, I don't know, I, I have a wife and a daughter and, it, you know, fast fashion they were they were biting on for a while everyone now. Was. I mean, everyone but was. you know, it comes down to you know perceived value and quality, and you know, I'd rather have something really good that's going to last, and you know, versus this being you know disposable wear. That's what we called it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what we think twenty twenty is going to be the start of is more people being socially conscious yeah. of what they do and how they consume and what they throw away and. Um, because we've noticed an increase of people on our website, but also the increase of people just yep. recognizing that yeah. we are here. Yeah, yeah. and so. doing better and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we try to promote on our on our show. You know, shop locally and and support your local mm -hmm. retailers because you know. Thank you. To, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's just one because you know there's a you know what they involve in on the community and what they stand for, but you know. There's a lot of uh, big trucks driving around these streets, dropping dropping boxes off at every house, and that's that's Amazon. putting a, that's putting a strain on, yeah. you know, brick and mortar, everything. Not yeah. just that, but the environment. It's just yeah, it's a lot of waste. Yeah, we see it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of waste. And out we're there. guilty of it too, watching it, but also participating there. Yeah, we're it's, not perfect. We're no, not it's that. hard not to. Yeah, you know, if I forget a AAA battery, I'm not going to run, you know, <laughs> across town to go grab it. I'm going to push a button it's going to show up in my house you're part of the problem i am <laughs> not not in everything just certain things yeah but um so so now that we've heard your body of work which is amazing right, right. let's go back to the beginning and um tell us about where you grew up where you grew up and how you got into surfing i grew up in a small little town in glendale i was born and raised there in 1955 i was born um, Glendale. Glendale, California. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a nice area. It was. Yeah. At that time, it was the best part of my life was there. Um, 
but what took place with with the um, growing up there is we're fortunate to be in so many different things of different decades that in the 50s I didn't recognize a lot of things but when I was um, 10 it was 65 and in 65 there's uh, the Beatles and there was um, bands like the Stone but uh, uh, more than just bands it was it was a time where culture like life was like amazing yeah. I mean it was I mean I don't want to say that it was perfect it was like it but Disneyland was happening and and white picket fences and dogs barking and riding your stingray and skateboarding and putting wheels and clay wheels on different things it was and then boom and then into urethane wheels and and yeah you know a variety of things but suburbia yeah, I was bitching. Yeah, it was just bitching. The summer nights, I, 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 as I got older, I was a um, usher at the Greek theater. I saw Neil Diamond do Hot August Nights. I saw Gladys Knight and the Pips. I saw Chicago. Saw Carol King. Saw and all of it was because we just said your seats over there <laughs> and seats over there and then you'd sit there and you'd sit on the steps and watch these concerts I mean Lou Rawls and, and uh, you name some of the bands and the groups and the individuals that what a great job that, huh it was freaking insane yeah. and and you'd go with your girlfriends that were at in high school with you you're a rock um, star and we yeah it felt <laughs> and it was just somewhat of the beginning of such a cool um era yeah so to speak yeah music art yeah music and art was all i wanted to do yeah, yeah. it was crazy oh well i wanted to skateboard too which we did and we we did downhill skating yeah a yeah, lot of hills like, in uh, yeah, glendale yeah. that area so is that what uh your first uh passion was skateboarding yeah pretty much so because we couldn't we didn't have a way to the beach, nor did we have um, the money to buy a surfboard. Yeah, you know. So, so poor fam, semi poor family, or no? My dad was my dad was a dentist. Okay, he came from Maui, went to USC Dental School, and then got met my mom, and they got married. And by the time I was five years old, they were divorced. Okay, so um, there was hardship early on because being a minority back then yeah. um, a lot of people wondered what who and what I was I was only I about get that four old time, feet man. tall <laughs> and, and you know but I was just into everything I loved sports I loved being able to yeah. um, ride my stingray I'd, I'd ride that bike everywhere and try to set records for myself my personal best was climbing these hills and i'd oh god I, but i would i didn't have a stopwatch yeah. i would just count it off as i was pedaling up the hill because back then we'd have to pedal back and forth to keep the momentum going yeah we yeah. weren't it, there was no gear yeah, just, yeah. just like go straight and climb but it, there were so many things that happened to us in those days um that were great too. Yeah. You know, I we used to play fiddle faddle in my best friend's pool for all day. Yeah, we didn't. Times. We got out just because we needed to get out. Yeah. So. So you you were into skateboarding. Your parents divorced early. 
did you live with your mom or dad? Or? My mom. Okay. Yeah. And the reason and the reason why my my parents Are both got parents divorced, Japanese or yeah, from Hawaii? Both Japanese. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> is because I had a younger brother and he passed away. He mm. choked on an apple when I he was when I was uh, four. He was two. And they, they just couldn't hang together after that. Oh. It was a really sad, sad time. Wow. Um, Sorry to hear about that. But thank you. Yeah. But those things taught me a lot about how how um, how fast things can change. Yeah. yeah. And how precious you're four years precious. old. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so anyway, um, don't hold back. Live every day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's that's what basically I've tried to do for the, all my life. Yeah, yeah. So when did uh, surfing come into play? Well, my mom was a Girl Scout leader. Um, my sister had the group of girls that were her friends from the neighborhood. She was two years older than I were was and we'd go to Gaviota every summer as a girl scout leader my yeah. mom would drive us up there and the other leader would drive another group of girls up there and we'd stay and camp for a week well i had no idea what the gaviota was at that time i was all of maybe 13 years old and as we were walking on the beach my friend which was the son of the other girl scout leader we we're walking north up the beach and um it goes in and out that coastline is just absolutely fantastic but the tide was super low so we just kept on walking and walking and then when we turned around thinking the tide had come up and when it comes up there it rushed right to the edge of the mountain and it was like five feet of water it's like wyoming a short break just you know it. and so we thought how in the heck are we going to get back and we he looked at me and i looked at him and i go there's a drain pipe let's climb up on the drain pipe and that way we could get traction climbing up the drain pipe. and we got to the top there was a flat road and at that moment when we got to the top there was a nine nine oh pink harbor surfboard stashed next to the drain pipe that we climbed up like somebody they, left it like just because they didn't want to stash it, it. they, st they stash it, it there yeah. because that's how they could they could get into the ranch and they knew where their board was i yeah, guess they'd hike in and they didn't want to hike in all and that distance we must have been at um the first break there which is I forgot the name of it, but um, people on the ranch would know what what that first break is. And we got to the top of that 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 hill, and um, we pulled the board out, and we carried it all the way back, <laughs> all the way back on the road, carrying it on our. So uh, you stole somebody's board. We took the board. <laughs> Borrowed it. We had no. We, you know, stealing <laughs> stealing wasn't even in yeah. our vocabulary. Yeah. You, you, you just you found it. You found it. We found it. Yeah. yeah. You found it. We walked into camp saying we found it. Yeah. But prior to that, you, you did find it though. Yeah. We I did. Mean, but prior to that, to you, a thirteen-year-old kid, have you like you saw watch surfing any movies or you kind of? Why World of Sports was the only yeah. thing that we could watch. We yeah. had nine channels back then. It was yeah. Two, four, five, seven. 
9, 11, and 13. And they and never really had surfing. Never. And there was nobody. they did, it was the helicopters, and it was yeah. just smearing off, and yeah. it was this and that, and we're like, whoa, fuck. But when you guys were walking the coast, there was no surfers out anywhere. It's the ranch. We didn't even look. Yeah. We, we, we weren't aware of any of that. Yeah, you were cruising the tide pools and... And so when we finally got back into camp, we kept the board, and then we there's a wash that runs out into the ocean there, and we rode the board down the wash. We didn't paddle out. Hey, How's it hello. Going? Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Hang on one second. No worries. No worries. And we're back. So you're you and your buddy <laughs> yeah, found a board, <laughs> took it back to camp. You knew what it was. A surfboard. Yes. We had no idea what it was. Never we, been we surfing. We knew it was a surfboard. You never surfed no. or... No, like I said, my cousins surfed and stuff like that, but we never were invited to go. Yeah. And when you live in Glendale, I remember we... One... I got into high school. I said, well, shoot, why don't we go and ride our bikes to Santa Monica and see what how far it is. And we went down Wilshire and got there in I don't know how many hours and we we're like that wasn't that bad and then we rode home <laughs> but surfing was always something that we we're around because we were from the 60s and 65 66 67 68 we watched um things like the beach boys come around mm -hmm. and then my cousin had skimboards and we're like drenched the lawn that he had at his house and we'd skimboard at his house on the lawn <laughs> and we'd only go from here to maybe 10 feet away but yeah. we're we were basically surfers so yeah so <laughs> the best part about this, this story so where good. we're leading up is when I got back to Glendale my best friend John the guy that had the swimming pool, his older brother was four years older than us, and maybe a little bit older, five years older than us, and he was like, I got, my girlfriend and I are going to Cardiff, and we go, well, where's Cardiff? Yeah. And he goes, it's a long ways. we're going to Cardiff, we're going to camp down there, and um, you guys want to go with us? We'll take your board. He had a board, and then my best friend John, he got a board, and his was. And then there was one other friend of ours. His name was Gordy, and Gordy had a Russell back there, and his squash with a V bottom, and it was about an eight six. John had one of Nick's older board, which was he rode Jacobs only back then. And um, so he said, we'll, we'll load up my van. And we went along with the song, load up the Woody with the boards inside and heading off singing that song. And it was exactly that. But he had a cassette thing, not a cassette, but an eight track thing. Eight track, yeah. And a Credence Clearwater would play. He had a van, the Econoline van, the ones that like Nose would ride around yeah. in right now. Yeah. It was fully carpeted, wood paneled walls and a stabbing cabin. It was a stabbing cabin <laughs> and it was like don't, you know, come a knocking if this van is rocking. You know, all of that all of those things for a fourteen year old yeah. to get in the car in the middle of the night, Nick would leave and say, We're leaving at two. Wow. And we said, All right, frick, we're going and my mom goes I'm not so sure you should go. And I go, no, I'm going. I'm going. So we jumped in the van, and we're 
sleep on the way down. We'd get into... Never surfing at all yet, right? No. Okay. And we had our boards. No wetsuits. We couldn't afford any of that. What Nick time had of year? one. And we... He would drive us through... He'd pull off on... It must have been... Well, he'd pull off sometimes at Birmingham, which was Cardiff. But he would pull off before that so that we could actually go through... Lacadia and Encinitas and then into... Along the coast. Yeah, kind yeah. of. And Lacadia, there was a thing where the lights were like yellow. And when we saw those lights yellow, we were like, we're here, we're here. <laughs> and then we'd always drive by, and I remember the surf cleaners sign down there. And we'd go down where Moonlight was and we'd drive back up and get to where Swami's was. He'd pull into Swami's, no cars there. Sun was coming up and he'd go, oh my God, you guys ready to go surfing? We're like, yeah, we're ready to go surfing. <laughs> we had no idea what it was all about and how to do it. Wow. And he goes, we're drive, we'll drive down to Cardiff and would park in Cardiff. There was only dirt. There was that parking lot that everyone parks in there is the same land that we parked in. Yeah. And we were 14 years old, and we stayed there for two or three days during the summer, and we would practice surfing. So we'd paddle out in the white water, and it broke, used to break out at tippers out there, and it'd just come rolling in, <coughs> and we'd catch foam wave after foam wave after foam wave. and. We stood up probably, not the first time, but real first day. First, first day. Yeah. We were frick. And we figured out that I was regular foot, and my <laughs> uh, buddy John was goofy, and, and Gordy was goofy also. And they're like, yeah, we're going left, we're going right. And you know, all the, t all the chatter, yeah. everything. And it was. You guys were surf stoked fucking amazing <laughs> yeah. sorry man it was no, no we cut we love we, to cuss on we, the show we, lo we love yeah. to hear the surf stoke stories it was so yeah first yeah the craziest time of my life so your your mom let you go yeah you're 14 no phones, years old no but just the adventure no. like how old was going down driving not knowing you know where cardiff is knowing surf nothing yeah. it's like everything was new and exciting everything yeah and so we'd go across the street because we were hungry, and um, we didn't have a whole heck of a lot of money, but Nick would say, go get the hot dogs. So we'd go into the supermarket there, but prior to that, in the morning, we'd eat at VG Donuts, which is still there. Still there, yeah. And we'd go out and climb the hill at Tipper's, and there was a campsite, San Alejo, I think yeah, it was called. Yeah, still there. And there was people there that had barbecues or fires going. We go, can we toast we our your fire? <laughs> I swear to God, we had no buns, we had no mustard, or no ketchup, and it was just a hot dog. Yeah. We were <laughs> and we we're like, we're on the Atkins diet. And Captain Kino's was there, and would go in there, and they had a, they also had a, uh, you know, eat all you can eat type of restaurant there, and but. It was. It, didn't matter. it, it wasn't yeah. about eating or anything <laughs> yeah. else. It was about paddling out, and we paddled out. Finally, we got to the point where we were able to surf out at the out at the point out there, and then uh, we also surfed Swami's at Glass Off. So you and guys started doing that every weekend, or yeah, what? 
Nice. Yeah, during the summer months. How old was Nick? He was five years older. He than must you? have been 20. Okay. And he had a girlfriend named Rhonda. I mean, help me, Rhonda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it, I mean, you couldn't make this shit up. It was, it was just freaking fantastic. And so to have a, the ability for one to, to do that and then also to um, have the opportunity of still be doing it, it's something else, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, so you got into surfing. Did you start? Did you get another board? Um, yeah. Um, don't know when my mom sold that thing, but she said, we're getting rid of this board. And I wasn't too, I didn't know she was basically <laughs> getting. But we were in the times of transition. So 68, 69, like, that's a 68 Weber performer with a Paisley deck. And look at how wide they are. And then I remember going into, and it must have been Jack's, and they had the Weber Pig in there, and it's a single fin, but also is five six, mm. and I was like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the shit I'm going to ride. Yeah, and the Weber Pig, and then we saw the transition of the sure. longboards to the semi longboards, and the shapes of them changed from fifty fifty, and changed just everything was changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the glassing was different, and the lighter, names lighter. are lighter, and you get boards, narrow boards. You get like that's a Stussy for Russell, and you'd have the Yater, which we never heard of, but we we saw boards like that. Um, but up and down the coast, it was happening. Yeah, it was just like on. It was so on. you were about what fourteen and fifteen, sixteen, yeah. and then yeah. and then we got our license and we started going on our own. We'd, yeah. go, we'd surf County Line, we'd surf Malibu, we'd surf, because Glendale was pretty central from both All the spots, spots. yeah. yeah. Um, up north in and, and, and the winter months, up in Rincon, and it's any of those spots. Yeah. Did, you, did you start getting like surf mags and knowing when the waves were good and better up and down the coast? Like We, we just started getting into... You just um, hear about a spot and go. Yeah. Because coming from Glendale, um, we here's how kooky we were. We would go, let's just say we'd go to Huntington and surf. Yeah, we had it was the cliffs, and we'd park on the street, and there's no other like grassy area, sidewalk, a fence, and then stairways down. It was just a cliff. Yeah, and you just would go down, paddle out, come back, go back up the cliff, get in your car, and go home. And um, when we got in the car, we dried off, but we kept our wetsuits on. <laughs> we're like, we're driving home. We got to show everybody in Glendale that we went surfing today. Yeah. <laughs> you would have been Cook of the Day post every day. Uh, it would've, we would have been Cook of the Day. Yeasty. So as far as getting into knowing anything about the tides or... No, we just knew that when we got home, we were you want to drive through town yeah, with your boards yeah. out yeah board and, out the back or on the roof exactly yeah. exactly yeah. all of that and yeah. and that's when we i mean we we're interested in girls too yeah. Yeah. so those, uh, those you can't make it up like i say it yeah. was yeah. it was just stages and it was so innocent back then because um we'd go up to like the girls that lived in the rich area 
and we knew them and we dated them we were brought up on our our junior high school was called Roosevelt and it junior high I think went from 7th 8th and 9th yep and then high school went from 10th 11 to 12 yeah and oh my gosh when we got into 10th grade we just thought that you know our hair got longer and I always wanted to play football though so I I started playing football and missed some of the summer surfing sessions but my hair had to go short. I had to change disciplines, so to speak. It was, you know, it's different than surfing. Yeah, for sure. Surfing is just double shaka and hang loose. <laughs> yeah. And, um, a little more free-spirited on yeah. your own schedule. Yeah, and then when we had the chance also to go to Hawaii during one of those summers to stay with my grandma in Maui. And we went around the whole island and surfed different spots. I don't think we surfed... Um, yeah, you didn't surf Jaws. <laughs> no, we didn't surf Jaws. <laughs> no, but that other uh, Honolulu, Honolulu, yeah, the bay. But no, we we paddle out in these little. We're just I, you coming from California and especially from Glendale, yeah. you just drive around the island and you just park, and there's this little beach break and it's about two feet yeah. and it's just rolling in. So what? You, when was your first trip to Maui? As a, you know, 1970. As a surfer? As somewhat of a surfer, but more of a, like, <clears throat> just... Visiting fam. Yeah. Yeah. Visiting fam. And we'd get off the airplane, and your bags were, like, stacked over here on the on the tarmac. There was no terminal, yeah. really. Like Long Beach say. back in the day. And same with you fly to Maui, and you land there. Definitely, there was no terminal yeah. or anything. You know, Maui was a, a trip. So when, when you finally started surfing and you're like, okay. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I want to get my own There's, board. You know, I'm going to go to Maui and visit the family. You know, th- those were your, was that like your first surf trip? As a My first fir- surf trip was the trips to Cardiff and okay. Swamis and places like that. Yeah, yeah. That was the biggest thing for us. And my first time away from home I graduated high school in 73 and I moved to Honolulu in 70 summer of 73 wow okay basically. and um, I was 17 years old had a one-way ticket had my skateboard that was just I mean in no professional wheels or anything it was just a, a board with you know trucks and yeah wheels. something to get you A to B yeah, yeah. Urethane wheels or clay? We had urethane then. Okay. And then um, I got off the plane. We did not get picked up by any relatives. We took a cab into Waikiki, and, and we were dropped off. And we had no idea where to be dropped off. Who's we? Um, my buddy and okay. I from high school. And um, basically it was on the corner of Kawakawa. And Alamoana. So Alamoana would run this way out to the airport, and you'd get like Alamoana Shopping Center and bowls and, and yeah. you know, big rights and stuff like that. But then you'd come to Kawakawa, it shoots up this way. There's lures, and lures had a break out in front, and then you, everywhere. Fort Jerusalem had breaks out in front, and, and the Royal Hawaiian had breaks, and every everything yeah. was right there. Yeah. We're like, Yes. <laughs> so we what boards to, did you bring? 
No, no board. No boards. No board. Yeah. And so we got off and we got right there. There was a hotel slash apartment. And we walked in there and we said, hey, do you have a room for the night? And the lady goes, do we have a um, room for the month? And I go, how much is it? And she told us. And I looked at my friend and I go, it's like half of our money. <laughs> and he goes, well, yeah, but we could stay here for a month, right? I said, yeah, let, let's do it. So we're on the third floor of this place called the Holly something. And it was right on the front side of eggs and things. And we had no idea what eggs and things was either. But So we'd come downstairs, but coming home at night, because we, well, we'd go back up a little, we, we'd go downstairs and we rode our skateboards down Kawakawa. He rode on one side of the street and I rode on the other. And we stopped into every little shop and restaurant and stuff. and met at the end and he goes yeah you get something i go yeah i think the guys from jolly roger wants me to come back and no shit because there's a jolly roger over here that wants me to come back <laughs> my friend was saying that to me and i said well what are you going to do and he goes so i'm going to get a job and i said all right let's go get jobs <laughs> the one next way, day one way tickets get to get a month accommodation 86 dollars yeah. Eighty six. So month. I had hundred and sixty bucks in my pocket, and he did too. So it was eighty six, eighty six, and it was we're in. That was a lot of money in. back then. It was a shitload of dough. Yeah, and we we're just like, how, how did you come up with that dough? Well, we worked at um, a place called the Red Carpet Liquor, and we used to deliver liquor as miners <laughs> at Christmas the time from this place. So, yeah, we'd get cases and put them in our car because they'd phone in their order and we'd deliver ice, bags of ice and stuff. And I had a Volkswagen back then and we just <laughs> motored around. No, so awesome. No, you know, GPS or anything. And they just... They t t you get hourly and well, a tip, too? And tips. Yeah. yeah. And they tipped you. So, yeah. anyway, we, we did that and I also ushered, but that was for free. And, you know, just stuff being high school kids yeah. I mean there yeah. was nobody saying you know that you had to do yeah. internships just stay and out you, of trouble you, do whatever just yeah. go and <laughs> have a good time so if you really look back at some of the timing and I just talked to my friend John he goes you know that it was 50 years ago because I'm 64 now and I was 14 then yeah and to think back it was 50 years ago basically in Hawaii they 50 years ago in Cardiff, Encinitas, Lacadia, Pipes, Swamis, Beacons. I mean, you just, we named that one Grandview place as Potato Patch or because somebody named it that before us, but it was on that street Grandview and you'd go up the ice plant and you'd come over and it was just beach. Yeah. Like, holy shit. And yeah. no one around. I mean, there was Killer small waves. little shacks yeah. on like, for stores on the coast highway, no, nothing big, you yeah. know. So, but those those a long time ago, and those were the days. Yeah, I mean, then. So, so you and your buddy head off to Hawaii. How uh, how long did you guys stay there? He he split after about six months, I think. Okay, and then I stayed there for about three years. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> same same place. Move around, upgrade. Oh, I moved around. Yeah, yeah because we, after we got jobs there, we started getting into circuit of restaurants, and yeah. there's like three or four other ones that we wanted to upgrade to yeah. work there. And I worked at this one called Rex and Eric's, and Rex Chandler and Eric. Eric was from Beverly Hills. Rex was from, I think Newport. You, Rex's restaurant was around here at that time but then he also was part of the Ritz restaurant that used to be up in Fashion Island at one mm. time too but um, we got busboy jobs there at the Jolly Roger I, I was a dishwasher um, there was a, a lady there named Mary old Japanese lady that was the, the cook she taught me how to cook and then they moved me into um, busboying and then from busboy, they moved me into host, and that's when it was like game on, because these girls Tourists, would come in all, and all they'd the say, "So, what do you do here in Hawaii?" <laughs> and I'd say, "Oh my God, you girls wait until I get off, and I'll take you around in the bus. We'll drive down uh, on the other side of the island. We'll go past Crouching Lion. We'll get out to Kui Lima, and then we'll hang out at sunset, and then we'll look at Pipeline, and then I'll show oh you Haleiwa, and then we'll drive the bus all the way back into town, because on this side, they're Makaha, but nobody went out there. Yeah. You know, but, and you get into Waikiki again, but you go out to Hawaii Kai and Kahala and all yeah. that. So, it was uh, unbelievable. Because and you did that for three years. Yeah, you pulled the little cord and you think, and all the girls, oh, we're at Hanama Bay now. And you go, yeah, walk down. You hungry? Yeah, I'm starved. And they buy you lunch and you just <laughs> show them around. You're like a chaperone. That's little, right. Yeah. But we're the same age. I yeah. mean, they're yeah. just like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Local boy. Yeah, local boy. It was like Mowgli, you know, out in the jungle with all these, you know. It was Hot tourists. It was a trip. <laughs> and then the moms and dads would say, um, do you want to join us for dinner? And yeah. they'd say, oh, yeah, that would be killer. <laughs> and there was no play on the kids, yeah. on the girls. We were just, you know, being like, Innocent like fun. Soul, beach fun. boys, yeah. you know. And, beach and you were, what, 18, 17, 18? 18, 19, okay. 20, yeah. So you worked restaurants the whole time you were there? Yeah, and then I saw that. There was a friend of mine that was cutting hair, and I sat in this place for about a hour, I think, and I just went, I'm, "I got to do cut hair." Huh? And I had no idea where I would go to school in Hawaii, and I didn't have any idea once I got back to the mainland where to go. But um, I asked my mom if she knew any places, and she'd go, "Well, let's look up in the you know Yellow. baby school." And she found pages. one on Colorado or Brand Boulevard in Glendale, and I said, "Perfect." Wait, I, so you were barber school, right? You were, yeah, like, beauty school. Beauty school. Beauty school. Yeah, so you were cosmetology. You were at the tail end of your three years in Hawaii. Yeah, and you're like, okay, I, I need to figure out some kind of career. Somewhat. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I better. I better bolt. And, yeah. And do something else. Okay. And so when I got back to the mainland. I've, I actually went down to the school, applied there, they accept me, and I started. But at that time, it, you, you go from eight to five, and it's 1,500 hours, I believe. 
So I, I wanted to finish up that 1,500 hours like that so I never missed a day. Yeah. I went every day, every day, five days out. It's like going to school. It was It's going to school. Yeah. You learn how to cut hair. You learn how to roll perms and you highlight hair and all, all of it and manicure, pedicures and things like that. What That's, a trippy thing to fall into. Yeah. Was creative, and back then, um, if you just you like start, touching ladies' hairs. Yeah, <laughs> back then there was not another another service-oriented thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. I did the restaurant thing, and that was a gas. And then you know, I thought, what can I do now that I could you know take anywhere, create and yeah. and yeah, take anywhere. So. I also wanted to work while I was in school. So eight to five, I would get off work at five and run to Central Boulevard where the Glendale Galleria was. And I used to flip crepes at the magic pan. Wow. So you'd watch the pans go around and heat up. Then I guess they'd go this way and you take this and you dip it into the crepe sauce and put it back on and then grab the other one and do the same and then take these and scrape them off and let them go around and heat up i mean it was it was i, I was a crepe maker <laughs> it was the best thing ever ever so hairstyling school by day crepe maker by night yeah okay yeah and um just getting used to being in the mainland again yeah which was Okay. Culture shock, huh? It, well, it were you was, bummed? Were you stoked? No, or? I was stoked. You were yeah. stoked to be back. And, you know, there's one th part that I left out that will tie this whole story together is the reason I went to Hawaii is I was looking for warm water. Yeah. I was done being freezing ass cold yeah. all the time in the mainland. It was freezing. Wetsuit sucked if you could even afford one. And, yeah. yeah. So we took off and got to Hawaii. And once I got there, I said I found warm water but little did I know it, it evolved into whatever I do from here on out it has to feel like warm water so when I got back to the mainland I had that same like feeling I go beauty schools bitch and I meet tons of chicks and tons <laughs> I mean I'm this is the best thing and then restaurants here wait did, did that movie shampoo come out and that was it time. and shampoo <laughs> happened <laughs> You, I mean, I high-five you across this microphone right here, and that's exactly that's, it. And Warren Beatty and yes, sir. and yeah. all of it. Yeah. yeah. So and that was know, a little bit of a... American Gigolo came out at that time where... Yeah. where so those were your inspirations. Big time. Greece. How Big funny. Time. Sounds crazy, but it was. Yeah. It was, and then... You went, you, Warren Beatty? Yeah. Hairstylist? Yeah. Look at this guy yeah good looking he's getting some action yeah i could do this i could do this <laughs> yeah i could do this so yeah that is hilarious good old days and then from there i moved to newport beach after i graduated took my test up in la is on sunset boulevard and they make you go through all sorts of different things but it it was um I think about three or four hours in this building doing hair. Yeah. So to get certified and get your certificate. Yeah, or whatever. and we got our license, and then <clears throat> I said, "Okay, I'm coming back down to Newport Beach," and that's when I went to work at Richard Willett's. It's a hair salon in Fashion Island. And why did you pick Newport? Um, my brother was down here. My sister lived at 18th Street at the point and on the boardwalk there. 
it was a place where there was surf too. I mean, I like Newport. Yeah. And um, Newport was just starting to come into its own then too. You know, where yeah. really it was it, cool little restaurants were popping up. There was a whole grip of kids here in Newport. And I thought if I'm going to cut hair, I may as well cut it in a town where I could paddle around. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. Have a good time it's too. A, it's a good location for all of that. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Right. I mean, talk about suburbia, right? Yeah, but man, oh man. If that's when. After, gosh, it must have been a year, I was an assistant to the styling director. We were making $89 a month, and um, <laughs> I mean, a week, every week, and so $89 a week, and I was paying that money in my house at CDM. My rent was 120 The total rent was 450 I mean, it was... It was beautiful yeah. yeah you know i had the best time and that felt like warm water again okay so, yeah you so, live with three two other dudes yeah shit it was be even better there yeah was, there was never a moment when there wasn't 15 girls there <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous can you do my hair yeah can you i tie, sure can can uh -huh. we do this can we do that yeah it was, yeah, it was awesome sometimes so, so how long did that well, hair, I still cut hair. I'm still licensed, but um, Maui and Sons came about in, in 1980, okay. and that's when um, I cut down from five days to four days, and then the next year I cut down to like three days, and then the year after I just said I couldn't do it anymore. So, going back to it, Maui and Sons was a cookie company first. Yeah. And, like, who had the idea? Like, your grandma or... No, it was me. I, and I, I still have the book that I drew up and wrote and what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And I have still about 15 other ideas besides the ideas that I have here. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> it just never stops. And yeah. not to sound, you know, conceited or that we're so good, but once, yeah. once you're do something that you enjoy doing and not that if you're successful or good at it as long as it's something that feels like warm water then you're not actually working wow. yeah yeah you know? yeah when you're when you <clears throat> it's not work when you're when it's your passion you know right. it's yeah. more of a hobby but you know it's rewarding it's yeah. rewarding yeah. but yeah. you got to make the, the warm water is is rewarding yeah yeah so you thought of how did how did it all come out come about Maui the name Maui and Sons the cookie well, idea yeah that's a good question the uh, the thing that took place during that time was that there was a group major population in 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 right in the meat of the market and that major population was a group called the baby boomers okay and the baby boomers took us through the 80s where anything that you developed or created that would appeal to the baby boomers you would you would actually um, have a really good opportunity or a really good chance for success and now was it famous Amos that sparked your inspiration for that one or famous Amos was just coming on at that time okay. 
and um, there was a it, no, it was it was famous Amos. That was the one that I remember seeing in L.A. Um, at that time. But the the main thing was is is when you're working in the hair salon and you're meeting all the moms, and all the moms, I found out their husband's name and what he did. I found out. Yeah, that's what they they, that's, they come to con, yeah. you know. It's talk. like yeah. And I found get out in serious trouble. Right? How many? Kids, <laughs> I've, I found out how many kids they had, and I found out their names. They're networking. And yes, yeah, it networking. was a thing that we didn't know what it was. Yeah. yeah. But we just—it's like a bedside manner for hair. When hair you're stylists. making eighty-nine dollars a week, you have to get a little creative <laughs> on how you could get some tips. Yeah. Yeah. So I learned how to do berets. Yeah. French berets were just coming in. Bo Derek was running down the oh, beach shit, with yeah. two, you know, Ten. beads and hair and then, yeah. and then the par- the moms would come in and they would be maybe 15 20 minutes yeah. early. And so I knew, "Hi Mrs. Smith, how are you? What's going on? You know, I got your coffee. It's it's fresh brewed and I know you took a little cream. I actually went down to the store and I brought, you know, half and half because I know you don't like the powder one, but it's on me. And you know, you just yeah. talk yeah. to service. Them. Yeah, service. Service with yeah. a smile. Service with yeah. a smile. Yeah, you're, you're providing a, a service, but at the same time, you're you're working for tips that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I. But it's also like specializing. You know, like you're no, you're I building uh, a rapport with these people and that's to be exactly repeat customers. What we're still exactly. doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're still doing. Yeah. We just these. It's the simplest form of adding on. Yeah, you know, yeah. just a little thing around the island with on the bus was the start of that whole warm water yeah. thing. But you know? but you're you're not just giving them something; you're getting some out of it too. Absolutely. Like you know, so it's reciprocal. You're kind of like shooting the shit, hanging out. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I bet you know this this your your older sister was a, a Girl Scout cookie, you know, salesman. <laughs> yeah, you know, so yeah. you, you kind of knew the maybe business. there there was some influence might have been there too. <laughs> So, so, so your hairstylist, you're building your network. How'd the cookie come up? Well, the cookie was before the Maui and Sons thing. Mm-hmm. So it was mainly because we wanted to do something that was going to um, fit in the market that was coming forward. And that's how I look at everything that I do even now to this day. What's coming forward? Well, everybody's talking 2020. Everybody on the tip of their tongue says sustainability. Um, Everybody is talking about being part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been talking about that for 14 years, and we're showing now examples, and we're showing now actual proof of concepts and we're showing now um, continuation of the things that we found success with and now we are sitting in a position by design to be able to be the next new little groove in this world that's fallen apart at the seams from the surf market that you mentioned Oak Tree Capital owning Billabong and and Quicksilver Hurley being sold to another big conglomerate. Yeah, I don't know what's going to take place there, but I do know that the accounts that are 
depending on Hurley, Quicksilver, Ruka, Volcom, uh, Quicksilver are saying we need something. Yeah, that's new. Yeah, we need it maybe at a different price point, not low, but not extremely high. We need More something specialty. that actually has a name that will work in the market, and we're finding that the name Mucho Aloha will work in the market. Yeah, We're finding that we're having four or five people calling us, not a day, but throughout the week, asking us what we're doing now. Yeah. And so that, that little thing that I saw with Renee Zellweger, yeah. um, thank you for coming here, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. No. Hey, we got to stay on track here. What? How, how did the cookie thing come up? <laughs> how did it come up? Well, it was because we we wanted to, again, we thought it was going to be the next thing. Okay. And we also think that it's going to be the next thing right now. Hand-done things from whiskey to making, you know, marijuana yeah. or doing yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's become very popular and yeah. everybody has their little style of how they make things if i take yoki shop now and develop just yoki shop shops they will have the grandma maui hawaiian style cookies in there and it will be a, a cookie bar and we'll serve up milk inside chowans and we will actually have the triple triple chocolate <laughs> haleakalau cookie cooked in a cupcake pan <laughs> and then you turn them over you poke the hole in there and you pour the hot chocolate in there until it starts overflowing and that is also served in a chowon with a scoop of you know maybe coconut ice cream you know something to give you're it. making me hungry wow <laughs> these things and why will it work how old are your kids uh, 4, 11, and 16. How about that? Yeah. 4, 11, and 16 yeah. would love to have a Grandma Maui Hawaiian-style cookies. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they did back in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. These women had kids, and they were from a baby boom generation, so there was the major population was sitting right in front of us, just like Yeah. it's sitting here now 20 years later. Yeah. Because you were a product of the baby boomer kid. Yep. And you bought Quicksilver, Billabong, Hurley, Ruka. Ruka wasn't around. Volcom, yeah. you know, Town and Country, Maui and Sons. Yeah. And all of that is now just tilted here. And now warm water is going to happen in 2020 because of the opportunity of the demographics that are here. So whatever you build here, like if we did Yoki Shop stores in, in the North Shore, a sm it would be this size, but we'd have Oniggities, stuff with chicken teriyaki maybe, and then just $5 Oniggities that are fresh inside metal containers with the, pl uh, the, the wax <laughs> paper, and they're all set up. and. And that, the word itself means to connect. 
And that's all that people want to do. Yeah. We'd also have chili rice because back in the day, that was all that we could afford and eat. And it was colder than shit after you get out of the water and you down chili rice. Oh, bro. Well, <laughs> ramen, ramen is that thing right now. Yeah. yeah. But if we do in 2020, and I'm not revealing any secrets here, but sign in. Simon, you used to get at all the little shops in Hawaii, all the drive-through ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's that one on on Kapahulu? It's it's the famous one over there. It, but they serve Simon at three in the morning, yeah. and it's yeah. just in a paper cup thing, and it's good. To, and you got the kamaboko in there, and maybe some bamboo. But it was <laughs> a lighter, lighter yeah. broth. Yeah. It's clear. It's see-through. It's not the ramen run that's happened already. Yeah. yeah. It's Simon's the next. And it's certain Simon noodles that are different. Yeah. And once you hit that formula, your kids will go, let's go yeah. get Simon, Daddy. Come on. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. They, uh, it seems like, I mean, with we always talk about, like, the power of social media and, and just, the mar you know, the way things are marketed today, you yeah. know. You know, it comes back to that more connection to the product, to the place, having that more community driven, yeah. more specialty. More down home. More down home yeah. stuff, yeah. you know? Because that, everything got too big. Yeah, yeah. everything's gotten too big. So go back. Cookie. Cookie, right? You, you, work out. Who, who were you, how did you come up with Maui and Sons? It was going to be Grandma Maui Hawaiian style cookies. And after we burnt that cookie, I, I put a tray in and I didn't know even how to make the mixture but then we put them in the oven and the oven cooked it because it was probably on 550 instead of 350 and all of a sudden we just said this is not going to happen <laughs> we just said this is not I'm not that I'm not there yeah but by doing that exercise it it didn't guarantee me that I'd be better at making clothes, but it was a thing that I was into anyways without even knowing. Being around hair and fashion, the haircuts were all here at Bob Blank. There was Vandel Sassoon precision cutting. Norma Kamali had shoulder pads out here. I knew that Judith Lieber had belts like this. I know when, what's his name? Richard Gere was in American Gigolo. He had Armani suits that he laid down. I know Pat Riley combed his hair back like yeah. this, and he was one of the first to wear a suit on the basketball court. And his players were magic. And, and, and just, I mean, everything was going. Yeah. Everything's going right now. Even though everybody is saying the market's just jacked and it's not doing to what it used to be, and it's, you know, it's not, there's nothing exciting. Give it six months and you'll start seeing that even our little conversation is going to be yeah. inspiring and, and elevating and creative to a bunch of people yeah. Yeah. that have been just sitting there going, what do we fucking do now? Yeah. Why am I working for the man? Why am I putting these hours in? Why am yeah. I sitting on the 405 for three hours? And, and quality of nice and happiness, quality of life and, and happy. happiness is going to outweigh it chasing the, the bell. Buck, yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's so, ringing the bell. Yeah. So the 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 fashion salon and cutting hair. Not does that fashion salon? Yeah, so it was the salon that was fully fashioned. So, we couldn't wear Levi's or any jeans in there. 
But when Calvin Klein came out and Brooke Shields wore those, and she goes, the only thing between me and my Calvins is me. I mean, yeah, you're just nothing like, good. Nothing comes, comes between, between me, me and, and my, my Calvins. Calvins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Thank you. So you you got into <laughs> fashion, yeah, more and more because you were kind of immersed you're, in it. You're involved for sure. We were involved, yeah. And then hello. Hey. Hey Pierce, <laughs> where were you the other day? I, I got sidetracked. I knew you did. How are you? Good. Go just dropping off some <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Sorry guys. good. So so you 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 decided you were gonna make cookies. Yeah. You decided alone. Later. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah, but they were they were um, a couple other guys or no at my. Rick, Family Rick, Rick, Rick couldn't even make eggs in them. I mean, not, oh, you were living with him then, yeah. Right? We we're living okay. with uh, uh, the artist. Steve and Rick, and um, it was it was just a time where we thought, you know what, we got to do something, just like every 20 something was thinking, yeah. We didn't have all the pressure that these new millennial kids have, um, but. I got to say, that is part of the problem, you know, our social media thing. Oh, yeah. But the other part of the problem is, is that us baby boomers, we made sure that these kids got everything they were asking for. They didn't even have to ask for it, and we would give it to them. Mm -hmm. So, me, going back to my days, is that we you had to earn it. You had to work for it. Yeah, you had to earn yeah. it and work for it. But so. but in in hindsight, that would allow you to take more risk because you're like, you know, I have nothing else to lose. That's right. I, you know, and when you could, when you're, you know, you're not scared to fail is when you actually start to succeed. And yeah. I yeah. mean, just learning. I agree. Yeah, learning something like the cookie and didn't work out. You're like, all right, well, what, so your first like, batch. I'm going to make something this else. Is, for this it. is a, exactly what it was. Yeah. And we, you know, you know, you you learn not quickly, but you learn to the point where you go, hmm. I'm just like when you're surfing. Yeah. You take it, and you could feel that release, and once it snaps and releases, you could go, I could do that shit again. But if it doesn't release and you do it over and you 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 high side and you land and you land and you land like and land you got you, you, yeah <laughs> you know and then you just go shit I gotta try something else so yeah maybe your approach is different maybe even if you zig instead of zagging or yeah. maybe if you draw it out a little bit further and you hit further down and it's you know maybe peaking here but it's it's just yeah. ready to, to slant here and you're I'm going for that area yeah. instead. You know, it's just it's just making up the things that work for you, right? And yeah. because they don't all work for everybody, just because it works for you, right? You, right. you build your own little gig, and um, we didn't know. I mean, seriously, there was no talks about building our own little gig and figuring it out and being like superstar yeah. Garmento dudes. Did, did yeah. You, did you have any friends that like had silkscreen business? Would you even know Dan how to Flecky. make t-shirts? Dan Flecky. So we okay. knock on his door and go, "Hey, Danny, can you help us?" And so then, hold on. So the cookie thing didn't work, right? Did not. Didn't work, and then and you were living with Rick, and you you're like, "We could do something with your art." That was a good good observation there but no I said I'm going to do um, plaid Madras, Madras shorts. shorts and why 
um, because they were completely opposite from the market. And I remember plaid, bleeding plaid madras back in the day when the Beach Boys wore bleeding plaid madras shirts. Okay. And I thought, those are just bitching. Yeah. Those are, they also wore blue and white striped, stripes, yeah. vertical striped yeah. woven shirts that were popovers. So we had that in our line. And, you know, there's just things that I saw as growing up um, that were just... Iconic? Reminiscence of what I saw and what I thought was iconic. Cool, yeah. cool styling that you're like, yeah. Yeah, cool styling. And we had poplin pants and we had plain t-shirts with this little pink, blue, green, and yellow in element shapes. Yeah. Nobody had elements, and we didn't know what the hell elements were. We just made them because it was it was the look of the cookie that we wanted. Yeah. And I, little <laughs> did I know, I picked a circle to be pink, and that represent the sun. The triangle was the peak of a mountain, that, and it was green. That would represent land. The blue was a rectangle, and that represent water. And then the yellow was a square, and that represent life. Wow. So it, it yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the cookie turned into so many things from that one mistake. So who came up with all those things? I did. You did. Yeah. You came up with the circle, the cuz it's all very And the writing and the capital M A U I and then it's just like when Stussy drew out S T U S S Y. It was his name and it was just Maui and Sons was I wanted to do something that it sounded like it's been around for a long time. Yeah. And like my dad started it, you know, and so I said, well, I'll be part of the Sons. Yeah. Okay. But little did it, I know, Maui and Sons, also other people thought it was S U N, not S O N. Right. And it, it just, yeah. you never know yeah. what's going to happen. The interpretation, so, and, and so you're creating your own like history without really. Right. You're filling warm water every step of the way. And then Rick said, uh, and I knew Rick from Glendale High School. I went to school with him, and he was the best artist in the world back then. I was like, oh, shit. How do you say his name? Rittfeld? Rittfeld. Rittfeld. Yeah. And so I asked him, hey, man, can you do a short, uh, a picture of a lady submerged in water up to her thigh with her hands like this and giving us a look like, hey, I got something, and shorts that were flying out from behind her in plaid and in solid shorts. And he goes, oh, yeah, like this? And he just started drawing, and that was all of first... it was in perspective, and you would have just went, you would have shit your pants. You would have just went, That was oh your first God. idea yeah. for a graphic? Yeah. Okay. And then there was a, the first ad was a half page in Surfer, of just the drawing of the short. Okay, before we even talk about <laughs> advertising, so what you wanted to start a clothing brand. You said, I'm going to start a clothing brand. Mm-hmm. And you started, and, and your first ideas of product was the Madras shorts. Yeah. And the shirts. And a t shirt. And a t shirt. A t shirt. And then, Luckily, Only you, those you live with this things. guy who's yeah. one of your best friends, right? Amazing artist. Uh, amazing who artist. <laughs> turns out to be an amazing artist. How long did it take for you to... Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, what was the first thing that happened after the cookie we, crumbled? We, we put... <laughs> we, yeah, the cookie crumbled. It, right. <laughs> we put we put um, a t-shirt in the, into Hobie Sports. 
and um, that, like I said, the T-shirt and the short, they sold in three days, and that was twelve. So that 12. going back to the story, you went and got that Indian material, yeah. and made some shorts and, and a T-shirt. Right away, yeah. you, you went and sold it to Hobie and on consignment. Yeah, now, I didn't know what consignment meant. Yeah, he said, "Put it in here, and we'll if it sells, sells, we'll yeah. pay you." Yeah. So I said, "Okay, good." And he called back in three days and said, "We sold all of them. Can you bring all that you have?" And I said, "Well, I also put some in Newport Surf and Sport, and Paul Husenstam says he wants all of them, all of my <laughs> inventory." And RB goes, "You're not going to give it to him, are you?" And I go, well, "He's kind of like." wants to pay me for it <laughs> well I'll pay you too I'll pay you just bring some over here so he brought some over I, we took some over to Hobie because we lived in CDM on Dahlia Street I rode my bike over there and <laughs> dropped them off and wrote out an invoice so he goes you don't need that or I need that but you won't need it because here's your money you're good and I go yeah I'm good okay I rode my bike to Gina's grabbed the pizza and went back to my house <laughs> And then Paul was like calling on the phone, left messages at our house. And I said, okay. So I took a box of them down there. And Ed from Wahoos was working there. And he opened up the box. And by the time he opened up the box, three quarters of them were gone. We people buying them? People buying them right Right there. out of the box. Yeah. And Paul was... Newport Surf and Sport, right there next to Russell, yep. down there. And Paul Husenstan is the guy I bought my first surfboard from, the Russell surfboard that I had um, years ago. And I watched him and what he wore. And he had these little shorts with three buttons on them, which I should make right now. But they had this influence of those, those fabrics. They were little cotton shorts with wooden buttons on them, and they were so short and so like low. He wrote, "His like his pubes were showing." I mean, he was. It was hilarious. But the Russell surfboards was insane. Tim Pony was shaping there. Um, Stussy was shaping there. Um, what's the other? There was four or five other. John Van Orden would surf for them. There was. Junior Beck was surfing. It, it, it was absurd. The just, and, and then you'd see them out at 56th Street. And Junior Beck was the first guy I saw doing a carving 360. And I was like, oh, fuck, wow. okay. Was, <laughs> David Nueva was cruising around at that time. And it, 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 he was always hanging with Joe Avila. And they were always doing, you know, they go Scooby-Doo's. And it, it was... <laughs> It was a time that was, you, you could never, ever replace it. Yeah. Yeah. There was no pi yeah. pictures, there was no yeah. video, there yeah. was no... It was raw. Newport Seashore was a two-way street. It was, during the summer, dead stop with cars, doors open, music playing, yeah. and Party uh, every house was, was a party. House. Every, every single one. Yeah. 
The only way you could get around it is like Fourth of July. You ride your bike into the war zone and you just go lights out. Yeah. You'd see all these kids that you know. I mean, even yeah. DK Gothard, you know, Preston and yeah, all of them. Yeah, all of them. Amazing. How much? How much fabric? You, your your India source. How much? Were you able to, like, product were you able to make? We had a thousand yards and we'd make, since it was narrow goods, we only made about 300 and some shorts. Oh, and they were gone good. instantly. And then we. Is that 1980, you said? Yeah. Okay. We kind of looked at it. In three months, we did about $30,000. In six months, we're up to about $300,000. Because what we did, we filled it in with t shirts. Yeah. And we just. Yeah, the T-shirts were probably the easiest, fastest turning thing. Easy. Yeah. yeah. We, and we didn't have to wait for more Madras fabric. We did. We started getting more in as we went, but we found solid cotton ones. We put stripes down them. We made them real short, elastic waistband shorts with an inner brief in them and the big Maui and Sons patch on the butt, on the back pocket. Where were you sourcing your fat? Were you going to like LA? LA. Or, yeah. LA. Yeah. And I still go to LA. Yeah. So, 1980, you you launched in two stores, basically, right? And within a week, two weeks, you you had a success story, pretty much, right? Success because we sold whatever amount we, of whatever shorts. Whatever we made. Yeah. But and we didn't know. <laughs> we we didn't no business think, plan you just like no, let's just make we didn't we know can. if it right. was a success or not we just know that it felt like warm water and people were buying it and we just I'd still ride my bike over and see RB and RB would look at me and go I need more and then we opened up um, Fashion Island which was at ease and at ease blew it off the rack I mean wow. it was it wasn't even I mean, Paul was blowing it off the rack, but th these Different guys volume. up in Fashion Island yeah. just... You hit the fashion, more, you hit the give mainstream. Me more, give me more, And we're like, oh, shoot. But... So you you said you did like $3,000 to... It was about 30000 we did. I remember that number for some odd reason. And then I remember uh, three hundred, and then I remember $3 million. <laughs> and then I remembered like eight million, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" And we're you know at at twenty eight years old, twenty nine, and I was like, I, "I just." How long did it take you to get to eight million? Oh gosh, it was maybe three years. Maybe. Wow. Back Exploding. then, we we had no idea. Again. Yeah, and who did you, and who did you partner up with? Like just your buddy. He gave me thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, and who? I gave uh, Rick made no Steve, Steve, Steve Preston, and I made him a thirty five percent owner of the company for thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, I he, I said give me your money. He goes I ain't giving you my money, and I go give me my money, your money. <laughs> And all turn you have thirty five percent of my company. He goes, I don't want thirty five percent of your company. And I go, you you can't be asking for more. And he goes, No, I don't want any part of it. 
And I said, well, give me your money and I'll make you 35% partner. And he gave me the money and then we took off. Used that to do a variety of things, but I think it was mainly t-shirts. Yeah. So incredible. So cool. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but and it's going to happen again. Yeah. Right here. But just this, being this like, because at that time, there, what was like the rival brands? Like Town & Country was pretty big. You know, yeah. Quicksilver was Quicksilver. just coming out. Gotcha. Gotcha was gotcha. just there. Stussy was out, but not... Yeah, Stussy was like what we are today. Yeah. Just like back. Yeah. But Stussy was was the, the real deal, I thought. For sure. But yeah. at one point in time... I, it felt like Maui and Sons was as big as any brand out there. Yeah. yeah. Right? OP, Maui and Sons, and Jimmy Z. Like the, the yeah. way Maui I... Country, those were all the brands I, I wore. Is like Body Club grew up, too, yeah. in, in South Bay. Yeah. The way, the way that I kind of remember the hierarchy of, of brands, right? Like, at first it was OP and Lightning Bolt. Mm -hmm. Right, Lightning Bolt those Bolt. those two brands were like. Oh, I'm not shit. as old as you guys. I don't remember that. Brand. Shut, shut your mouth. I'm gonna talk to you. <laughs> um, we had those brands, right? And then and then Quicksilver and then Billabong and Gotcha, and Maui and Sons was like right in that right mix. In that mix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's impressive. You know, it's <laughs> a funny part because um, I know Bob and and, and Michael Thompson, uh, Bob Her Bob McKnight, McKnight oh, okay. and um, we, we all didn't know exactly what the what it was the market yeah you know? and so um we sat in the lifestyle area of it without knowing and quicksilver sat in board shorts and gotcha sat in more of um like michael thompson and you know they they were they were creative but it wasn't it was it was just a harder edge. Quicksilver was more like more shorts and yeah. surf. We were lifestyle fun. Yeah. Pink, blue, green, and yellow. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah, they were more edgy. And then Jimmy was definitely edgy with some of the things that they did with. Um, oh God, they, I think even at that time, um, Jimmy Z's. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. Z's was really Vince Klein. Um, they they just had a more of a Malibu run yeah. of guys, yeah. which were different yeah. altogether, you know. And then Body Club was more South Bay, and then Body Club never to me was cool. They, they no, it wasn't. It wasn't really. That. It was like kind of goofy, neony, and like hokey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. kind of, it seemed like they, they tried too hard and, and then they gave up and licensed everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that's what where, they where did. Where Maui and Sons, man, it was like, it was a cool Thank you. brand that, I, I mean, more, my very like said, first. More lifestyle and more more like on trend, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely. Yeah. And what we, you know, the funny thing is, is I've, um. I I um, look back at that time, and it's it was forty years ago when I started that brand. Wow, it's so crazy! So, um, this would be a fortieth year anniversary, and I know if I did a collaboration with Maui and Sons, um, I don't think it would be a collaboration. I think what it would be is is to go in and um, have a 
40th year anniversary yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, That'd be amazing. Sort. Yeah. I think it would be. Yeah. I, I do. And I would probably spin it in the repurpose way. Right. I'd take some of the old and mix it with some of the yeah. new and just one, 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 one. Yeah. You know. So, so, so you got it. Humming. Up to eight, humming. eight million within a, what, two or three years? Yeah, a few years, yeah. And then what happened? Because um, you were making everything and you were globally distributed, yeah, right? Yeah, we were, we were uh, in Italy, UK, Australia. Luke Egan's mom and dad was our, our um, distributor. distributor dad. Wow, yeah. awesome. how funny. Um yeah, in Hawaii we had um, a gal named Tevis, and Tevis used to be the sales rep for Fila, and um, but she was best friends with the Mancadas, mm. and the Mancadas did Quicksilver. And down in Texas we had a gal named Pat Dartez, which is um, Dartez. She her daughter used to work at Quicksilver, but then they opened a store down here in Laguna. And her name is Dana D'Artes. And she's she's so stylish, just like her mom. But Pat D'Artes was, she handled all of Texas. She killed mm. it, killed it. And then in the East, we had, um, who was that? There was, there was a really tall dude named Shrimp, but he was friends with, what was the other tall surfer back? West Lane. West Lane. West Lane. Yeah, mm -hmm. they were really good friends, and Wes was riding for Quicksilver at the time. Yeah. There was another kid named Shrimp, but he was like 6'8". He was actually taller and bigger. Wow. <laughs> and then in Florida, we had another rep that everybody knew, and, and it, uh, it was it was just... Yeah, great. bet good. The brand blew up in Florida with all those bright colors. They loved oh, it over yeah. there. They were nuts. And so, then Puerto Rico was Puerto huge, huge. So you must have been like in awe and like wonderment and surprise as you're going through this, right? Being a kid from Glendale with no college degree, with a hairstyling certificate, <laughs> right? That, that got into fashion and was going to start making Maui and Sons fucking cookies. Right. But the cookie crumbled and yeah, you the, said, yeah. we're going to make t-shirts and madras shorts. Yeah. And fast forward three years later, you're at a multi-million dollar Maui and Sons brand. And those, and those were truly, truly good, great years. And then the next three years was truly good. And we built it to maybe close to a um, 20 mil yeah and then um what you ask what happened and um one i got too full of myself and two um i thought i could walk on water and three the market was shifting so this uh, this i hold really dear this next 10 years because i know Right in here, this is where everyone, at least for me, I know that this is where we're going to have major success, but we're going to be able to 
understand that now. Back when you're 24, 25, 26, You're just running. Yeah. You're, you're not you're worried invincible. about it. You're just... We're invincible. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're like, just, I could put shit and put Maui and Sons on right. it. Yeah. That's, and it'll that's, sell. That's yeah. exactly right. We, we thought that. Um, and I always go back to my skateboarding days. I remember the first time when I was riding down Shoal Canyon. It was just a steep hill, and I wasn't bonsaiing it, but I was going back and forth, back and forth, and then I had to straighten because a car was coming up. And when I straightened, I went, oh, shit, I can't make this backside turn to slow down. Yeah, yeah. And I just I kept on going. And speed wobbles yeah. is exactly what happened to us at Maui and Sons. Wow. We got speed wobbles. And when I felt those speed wobbles, I said, I'm out. I'm, this doesn't feel like warm water anymore. It's yeah. starting to feel like speed waddle wobbles where I would do a Boy George and just splatter all over a garage sale and just yard sale it. And, um, so did you did you have investors and, and all that? Did you take No, I had investors? a line of credit from a bank called Mitsui Manufacturer Bank okay. up in L.A. Did, did you um, pay off Steve, the thirty-five percent of the company. Yeah, yeah. Or did 35% he? He still kept it. Yeah, he still he had, had it. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, um, he brought in a licensee from, um, from UK, London, and that licensee talked Steve into being, um, getting me out and put putting him in. And they knew I was I was not going for this anymore because I just didn't like the way Steve was or the, even Rick was um, in cahoots with that whole thing. Mm. And that was another area where I, I you know, I've, I've never really talked about it, but that was an area that I, I've learned um, that that, that kind of business happens all over the place always yeah all the time money money and success change people and, and you know i said this doesn't feel like warm water and i got i just basically said thank you very much i paid off all every everything that I, because we had leases we had surfers we had contracts with magazines we had the line of credit line of credit was over what what year was that when you said you wanted to pull out um, eighty-seven, okay. somewhere around there. So seven years, with yeah. with Maui and Sons. And that's what I'm saying. It's it, it it's going to be the repeat. And I'm not trying to say, hey, I know. No, it's not that I'm saying that. I just know that yeah. that there's going to be good opportunity for everybody, um, going forward. Yeah. And um. The market's going to shift in a way where um, creatives are more valuable than they have been in the past. Yeah. Back in the 80s, creatives were everything, but nobody knew that. Yeah. yeah. This just coming forward, creative people are going to be very, very... Um, Indispensable. Yeah. yeah, they're going to look for them. Yeah. Because you can't yeah. find it. I, I used to be really fast on my computer and copying and pastes and doing every tech pack from illustrator to 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 photoshop 
but for 15 years, I don't, I don't even know the command keys anymore. I, I have no idea. I haven't. I said I'm designing different, making different, and selling different. 14 years ago. Yeah. And again, not to reiterate what I saw last night, but thank you again for inviting me inviting back. us back. Yeah. I haven't been to a Waterman's Ball, not because I. Well, because I one I I have I haven't been invited. Yeah. And two, I, even if I was invited, I didn't have much in common with all those people. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did what their version would be for the surf market. I'm doing my version over here of what I thought the surf market is. Yeah. And now going forward, not that I think there should be an award banquet of any sort, but I think there should be someone looking at more of the creative part of this this industry. Yeah. Well, you just hold tight because... That's something that we're working <laughs> on. We're going to do our own award award show. Yeah. We don't know what it is yet. We don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna start someday. Twenty twenty one, maybe best, best board short of twenty twenty. You know, best logo, best. We, we got we got a top ten list that we're creating. Yeah, yeah. we've That's been talking funny. about that. Yeah. So, Mary and Sons, you kick out in eighty seven. How how was that kick out? Did you make any money? No. Did you? I, I made tons of money throughout the time that I was there. Um, spent a lot of it. Um, but all I wanted to do was get out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had enough. And um, that's when I, I remember there was a surfer that what we sponsored. His name was Mark Bellinger. Yeah. And Mark was 14 when I started sponsoring him and as he got older he was like um you want to do something together and i said sure so he came to you yeah okay yeah how old is he he was in his teens still but he was i don't think he was well maybe he was 20 something 21 young yeah he was young yeah and he ambitious he said you know what would you do now? And I said, well, I want to do something completely opposite. And um, I didn't want to do anything with pink, blue, green, and yellow. I didn't want to do any illustrations. I didn't want to do anything that was, you know, Kamaina and Shakabra and, you know. And so that's when we, again, noticed that the things that I was doing and the things that he was doing sort of merged together. He was into GBH and, and um, exploited and uh, yeah and social D and into punk rock. punk rock and he was into you know a minor threat and just everywhere he'd Edgy. go he was smoking his clothes and he was driving a Ford Falcon and the radio I'm just a minor threat and he, and he looked like Cavella DeVille or whatever her name was yeah. you know in, in 101 Dalmatians and <laughs> yeah, like what? I looked at him and I said dude you surf just as, as you listen to your music he was flying at Hanalei. It was just insane. He was like 
tiniest guy out there. Mm -hmm. And and Titus would look at him and go, you can't paddle out there. And and he goes, yeah, watch me. And he was like chattering back and forth to him. And I was like... The Titus Kilimaka? Yeah. I go, don't talk to him, dude. Don't. <laughs> and we'd pull up and Mike Garrett would be in the car with me mm. and Titus would pull up behind us and Mike Garrett would get out because he knew him and he'd go, yeah, we're just here checking it out, you know, cannons or, we're, you know, the bay. And he was like, you guys get out of here. But then Bellinger would go out on a 6'4 and just drop into these monster... He was from Salt Creek? Yeah. Yeah. And um, his hands would be up in the air and he'd laughing and I would be sitting in the channel just going... <laughs> Fuck, you know, just like, yeah, and um, you know, but it, it, he said, "What? Let's do something." And I said, "Okay." And I always wore flannel shirts back then, and so I made a an acid wash flannel shirt, and I washed them, and he brought them back from the wash house, acid wash. He opened it up and the fumes just came out and we're like, fuck, okay. And we're pulling them out and they're all wrinkled and holes in them. Oh. I go, oh, fuck, we got to separate the holes into this to that. And I took took only all the good ones and we Santa Claus them up to Aaron Pie. And I dropped them on the floor and Aaron goes, Yogi, what do you got now? And I go, this is the new line called Pirate Surf. And Aaron looked at it and he froze. He pulled them out, and within the minute we pulled them out, the employees there started to go, I want one, I want this yeah. one, I want this one, I want this I'm one. I'm pretty sure I was there. I yeah. think you were. Yeah. And Aaron, I dropped them off, and I left, and Aaron called me that night, and he goes, I forgot what he said, but it was to the extent of... I need a thousand of these. I, I sold them all. <laughs> And Here's your you, first call. You are in. You are on to something again. And I said, "Oh my God!" So warm water's happening again. And he called me and he goes, "Give me as many as you can." And a matter of fact, there was a few of them in in the bag that had holes in them. The the employees wants the ones with the holes. Yeah. I said, "Well, fuck. We got we a got whole more. bag of them here because <laughs> we burned them." We, did the same thing, dropped them off, and yeah. he, he sold out of them. And we did about a million bucks of pirate surf flannels, acid wash flannels in the first year. Wow. Yeah. So when? who came up with the name Pirate Surf? I did. You did? I had a house in Cabo San Lucas at that time okay. in Petrogal overlooking the whole marina, and we heard stories that they used to shoot their cannonballs up into the mount mountainsides, and there were a bunch of pirates down there, and we're like, Hmm. And then I did the cow skull yeah. with the patch on it, and I thought... Was there uh, crossbones underneath it, too? Cross-swords, yeah. 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 Oh, swords, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And we actually cow went, like, a friend of mine got the, the name back, and this was one of the Pirate Surf original yeah. with the snake and little... I remember, this is, I mean, when you... I don't know if you sold the Quicksilver or they were distributing for you guys or whatever. I, I don't know what, how it worked out for you, but I just remember I was sponsored by Quicksilver and I was going into the warehouse and I'm like, 
What's that I want, stuff? No, I, I'm like, I want to, can I get all the pirate surf stuff? And they're like, no, you're right for Quicksilver. And I'm yeah. like, no, I want, and, and the guys would, you know, would slide a few pieces out. But yeah, I, I remember like, it was. Yeah, so we sold to Quicksilver. Killer in, name, in the 90s. killer logo. But we saw Kurt Cobain wear one of our flannels and that was it. It just took off. Took off. Yeah. And then Quicksilver bought us because I was cutting Danny Quack's hair <laughs> in, my, in my house now because we didn't have an office. My, my house was the office. And Bellinger was always there. And it was, it was another best time. Yeah. The best time for that certain amount of time. And then when we sold to Quicksilver, Bellinger made a bunch of money because he was my 50-50 partner. And, How um, old was he? In his 20s, maybe? Like early 20s, 20s? Yeah. Wow, okay. And um, he got into drugs, and oh. he's no longer alive. Yeah. Oh. I didn't dead. know that. Yeah. He when died did he at pass? 35 or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Gnarly. Gnarly. Yeah. He's the sweetest guy in the world. Drugs are bad, man. okay? You guys. Drugs are bad. So I yeah. learned another thing about big business but I also learned another thing about the, 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 that drugs is the worst thing ever and yeah. it, seriously it is the worst takes, thing it ever it takes you over yeah it consumes you and changes you and ruins you but was, was big he? business um, Quicksilver bought us because and I don't talk much about this either, yeah. but they bought us so that they could take us out of the market that's because we we're killing them yeah, yeah. and then the first year that they bought us, they did twenty million in alone in one body. It was the Quicksilver overhead. They called it. Yeah, yeah. Overhead, Larry. We had, overhead. We, yeah. we had we had with the different the hood color ours. pocket, you know, um, yeah. flaps and the different colored sleeves or plaids, mm -hmm. you know, they're mix matching. And we worked at Server Sport and tagging a, a shit ton of those. Yeah. We so Pirate Surf came out with that first. Yeah, that was our. They, with with the with the hood, okay, yeah. and then Quicksilver took over on it. Yeah, okay. They when they they came into our warehouse, they saw our sweat our flannel shirt acid washed, and then they saw the hood that we put on them, and they Shaheen Shadeki went back to his little camp, and they made as many as they could, and they sold them for four dollars less than ours. Even though they did that, we did about four million of our flannels at Pirate Surf. Wow! And because everybody wanted Pirate Surf, but yeah. the mainstream from the other side of the the four or five had no idea what Pirate Surf was. No, they yeah. knew Quicksilver, and they just yeah. And then that's after insane. that year, you guys created that flannel. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. That's insane. It's amazing. I had. I mean, like again, I, I real quick. I had probably ten of those in my closet. Yeah, like it's all I wore. Yeah, Slater used to come over. Um, every one of their team riders would come over to our spot. We had a little. It wasn't even a quarter pipe. It was just a little ramp that this went up, and we'd skate on the smooth surface of the, of the of the warehouse that we were in. And then we also had a, a, a rail slide, but it was a um, 
you know, when you pull your car up, it stops your car at a certain yeah. spot. And, the, and so we had one of those in there, and it it was it, it, it was the year that Keone Downing, because we sponsored him, he won the Eddie, and Keone won fifty thousand dollars or something like that and I had a poster of it he signed it I had Kelly Slater poster uh, of and he was like surfing for Quicksilver and he was like Yoki I want to come over here and I go homie you stick with him <laughs> man dude and Larry Rios wanted to surf for us and, yeah. and that's a name I haven't heard in a long time Larry right Rio. I mean there were so many kids that were like over uh, Andy Hexel was a snowboarder and Sean Palmer was a snowboarder, and and at Maddie Goodman was snowboarders. Yeah, you were, I mean, you were we the had, first um, edgy, new school surf brand. Yeah, it was before Volcom. And, and Way before Volcom. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you had... Like, um, you, you kind of pioneered that punk rock yeah, look. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, yeah, you were like, Vol- you, Volcom took, youth against drew, establishment. You know, took a lot, of, a lot of what you guys were doing, for sure. Yeah. And Willie, Willie um, used to answer phones for us. Yeah. You know, at Mally and Sons years, <laughs> years ago before that. You know, there's just so many people in the industry that we've... A part of the family tree. Yeah, acquaintance yeah. and going through all this, so... But, you know, that's that's that was pirate surf. I mean, shit, yeah. it was... and Bring um, it back. <laughs> I, I, my friend has the marks, and he asked me to do them, and I did it. And, we, yeah, it it did really well in here, at least. And um, I don't know where he sold it. I think he went to Jack's and maybe San Diego's and maybe Mitch's and I, maybe... I think Valsar. that... Was it last year or the year before? About two years Two back, years ago, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that was, that was another little... Fun thing, and so you sold it to Quicksilver mm-hmm. for a good amount. Mm-hmm. Did you make some good money. Made enough, yeah. Okay, and I then mean, for, for years worth of being in business, basically, yeah. They they, um, but they got it so cheap. Yeah, you look back at you look it, back at it. Yeah, go, it's ridiculous. They could never. They 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 bought you after year three or year four. Year two, I think, or okay. three, right in that area. And you were there for two years. Um, After just about that, okay, maybe a year and a half. But she, the way they they got rid of us, they said um, we're closing your division, and you guys, we don't need your services anymore. We said you're closing the division, and you don't need our service. Was that bot? Who did you? Who? It was Shaheen. Shaheen. I yeah. didn't know he worked for Quicksilver. He was the president at Quicksilver. Shaheen owns Shadeki, yeah. The all the and yeah. lab and all that. He were, he was the president of Quicksilver? I never knew that. Did and you? I, said, I, I, rem- I remember him like I remember Wow. But I don't, that is a trip. Well these are these are all things that um not necessarily I've ever opened up to. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. So yeah. I mean, this is you're hearing you're hearing good. things, and that that, this that is, is industry a, gold right here. Yeah. Well, it's I. I think there's a lot of um, truth that's going to come out into 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Also. So. So he made an executive decision to shit. McKnight you. did, but McKnight was out of town like he was always out of town. Yeah. And 
and Shaheen Sadeki, I said to him, I go, you know what, you have no idea where we are in the marketplace. And he goes, that doesn't matter. We're just closing your division. I go, well, you, you have no idea who we have contracts with. You have no idea what, what riders we have and what we have under those contracts with the riders. I think you have Juan Ashton from Puerto Rico too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's oh, so man. many Remember. things. Ads. And then I just said, you know what? That's okay. We're out. Yeah. Walked out, got in my car, drove back to pick up my poster of Keone Downing and Kelly Slater. And the locks were changed. Oh, so you can imagine what it was like with three kids at that time. Was it wife. out of the blue too? Just yeah, boom one day. Yeah, no, they didn't like the fact that um, we were getting all the notoriety. Yeah, even though they were doing tons of sales, everybody was like yourself and yeah. like slates and like everybody. I mean, everybody, all all the surfers, all uh, the girls, all all of them would go to our section of the trade show in the booth. They would all sit and drink out of the kegs, and yeah. they, they would they would like, yeah, fuck, this yeah. is it. Yeah. And yeah. Quicksilver was like, fuck, yeah. we're flipping the bill for this. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as they it's, bought it's, us, they sold the space. Yeah, they took the they took the fun out of, you know. What's funny the, is the fun, the fun out of whether it should the fun out of fun. I mean, that's what it should have been. Like, yeah. what what's funny is they were always trying to crank out something different and new all the time, right? Like they were always trying to start brands. Yeah, remember they started Gen X. X or seventy X or X seventy. Yeah, and then Gen X, and then, gosh, what else was there? But here they are with the Golden Goose, which was Pirate Surf that was already proving itself. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah. did dis they dissolved it because they didn't want you to overshadow them. Yeah. But here they are trying to come up with some other lame shit that can never yeah. get off the ground. Never could get off the ground. Right? Yeah. yeah. What a trip. Because they didn't... They no didn't. authenticity. They just try to chase a trend and, and copy it, you know. But, yeah. I mean, that's... Remember what Q? everybody does. Yeah, Q. Q. Yeah. And they and Quicksilver Silver Edition. Silver Edition. All the stuff that they kept trying because to Because it, it all came from that demographic. They're, they kept on getting older and they kept on thinking that all their customers were going to follow them into this. They yeah. never thought about the young customer. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. staying they, relevant is the hardest part. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So being authentic too. I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, people that just chase a trend and they could ride that, that coattail, you know, a lot longer back in the day. Now it's like trends it's quick. It's so quick that, yeah. you know, with, you know, if you're printing t-shirts, it's one thing, but once you get into cut and sew and, and you have a, a timeline and, and the overhead and the, 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 the overhead, <laughs> the timeline. Well, that's what, that's yeah. where we're at with, um, Mucho Aloha. Yeah. It's not the next line that comes after Pirate Surf, but it was Modern Amusement. Yeah. And Modern Amusement was exactly right on again. Good timing yeah, with what was mid happening. Modern. Yeah. Everybody had post and beam homes that they were looking at. They had... What was the uh, inspiration? So, so 
Give us a timeline. Pirate Surf was done in ninety into nineties. Okay. Uh, you, know. you 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 quit and Pirate Surf. They dissolved it. Four. I worked at Stussy. Ninety five, ninety six. They were grooming me to get Stussy's spot. I thought I couldn't do that, and so I said I'm going to do your own modern amusement. Yeah. Yeah. So were you just? Did you feel like you couldn't fill the shoes and and expectations? I could, I could, I could do it. I I knew I could. I mean, yeah, we con- all. Did you confide in like Sean? Did you oh, say totally. like, I yeah, like to hey, Sean every day. So and him and I he was, was just cool? laugh- he, he 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 didn't care because yeah. he already got paid out. Yeah. yeah, and he he was like, you know, I'm done. And um, I said, well, <laughs> I mean, I know how to do what he was doing because I was so close to where you know but what he it, yeah. was talking about you, you guys have similar tastes similar tastes t- but you know his his is, is inner city is mine is still on the coast yeah. yeah you know and I could I could adapt to the inner city I knew exactly what size backpacks we needed to do and what color they needed to be and what type of things needed to go inside the backpack yeah and, and we knew that there was technical things coming on, but we knew that sport was really coming on from polo. Mm-hmm. And so we emulated some of the things from sport, but we emulated some of the things from um, other other designers. Uh, Comme de Garçon was one of them. Yoji was a bit of that. But Yoji was more of the attitude. And then the bands and the things that Sean listened to were totally different than any of the shit that anybody else was. He was listening to Bob Marley. And yeah, everybody was. But he was truly listening to Bob Marley. Yeah. You know, years it and years and years. Graphics, and he had a little ragamuffin yeah. dudes. And yeah. he had, you know, he was just freaking worldly, global. Yeah. He had run DMC. He drew sneakers of shell toe Adidas. He was he was like, fuck, and he would do it in in ten minutes. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I was straining to do this and trying to figure out. He's whipping him out. He was just he yeah, was like this guy, He was fucking good. He, he still is. He could literally put a shit and put Stussy on it. <laughs> <laughs> well. He just did a collaboration with Dior. Yeah, and, I saw that. Um, to me, that was just the start of the creative from Couture finally looking for creative. Yeah. It didn't matter where it comes from. Yeah, it just is a creative, and Sean Susi is a creative. Yeah, he's. I think he's a bit older than I am, but not by much. But um, he's also one of those guys that. Not necessarily thanking anybody for bringing him back in or introducing him or showing him or talking to him. But it comes a point in time where in every person's career where it seems like um, you just want to pat on the back once in a while. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't need anybody to give me a trophy or anything. I just, you know, it's just nice to get somebody giving you a pat on the back yeah yeah 
Well deserved, though. Yeah. I mean, so you worked at Susie for about two, a year and a half. Year and a half, yeah. and then you, you they're grooming you to take over as creative director. Yeah, and I felt that I wasn't. Not that I wasn't qualified. But I just felt that I wasn't. Wasn't your calling? Yeah, you know. Yeah, wasn't you just as, felt it wasn't as strong as I should have been in a position like that. Yeah. Now, if somebody was asking me now, um, yeah, I would go in there and run shit. Yeah, I, I <laughs> fucking run shit and get a fucking big paycheck I, at I, the same time. I watch. I watch that brand. Um, do the same things over and over that Sean did, and that's good, but they need something new. Yeah. Yeah. You hear that, Frank? Yeah. David? Mm. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to yeah, name any names, but yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. So, so then came Modern Amusement. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and who what? Was, who was your partners with that, or did you just start solo? Mm, yeah, pretty much solo. Yeah. And Modern Amusement, I first started it out as a kid's line. And I had a shop down on Lido Island that I opened up. And I noticed that mid-century modern was happening. Yeah. And I noticed that swapping was really big, again, back in trend. Um, what was that? Set swapping? Swapping, yeah. Um, that means swap meets. Okay. Um, going flea markets. Wives, yeah. you know, like neighbors. Swapping wives. You know, <laughs> jumping in. Yeah, no. Rose Bowl. It, it was more Rose Long Bowl, Beach. Long yeah. Beach, yeah. Pasadena, yeah, yeah. and um, Santa Monica. And I noticed that um, the women were starting to fix up their homes and they needed furniture. And and noticed Shabby Chic was starting mm. to happen and noticed that a bunch of other brand names um, from architects to to furniture makers to different mid-century modern designers yeah. were, were you know naguchi lamps and uh, eichler homes and, yeah and uh, yeah on and on and on it, and when i looked at that and we used modern amusement um we couldn't have been in a better spot Everything was a modern amusement to me. It made yeah. whatever it was. I was like, oh yeah, that's a modern amusement. But what we did, we did kid stuff, and we did furniture um, from swap meets. So I'd go on swap meets Saturdays and Sundays, and then on Monday we'd have a line out the door for people coming in, waiting for me to open my doors so that they could be first crack at old seascapes or landscapes paintings that were oil paintings on canvases that I'd find at the swap meet. I'd find old pillows that, you know, had um, floral bark cloth on it. And I'd find crackly peely paint furniture and um, actually just peel off more of the paint and, and it, they would pay full retail for these things. <laughs> Um, I'd start educating myself on different chairs, um, yeah. you know, all the different chairs. And then I would also look at the retro feeling for the kids. And we would sell 
hooded sweatshirts, hooded long sleeve tees, little girl baby doll dresses, blankets, um, collector stuff. Yeah, just so much stuff. And it was a store filled with cool shit. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, oh my God. But stuff that you wouldn't find in every other store yeah, at you the same couldn't time. Find Pretty it much what we're looking at here. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar yeah. to this aesthetic. And then we opened up a store in the lab when the lab opened up. And we had. Um, how could you? How could I? Shahin <laughs> Shadeki came and talked to me about four hours every single day you gotta open it up and give you the best deal and do this and I said okay um, and we opened up the modern amusement store up there and for one year we had a one year contract and um, we felt that we we're a guinea pig and we said there's no way we're you're going to run lab test on me yeah, yeah. it's just a joke yeah um, he didn't have anything from what he said he was going to have in there. Within that there year. No oh, we're getting this and this yeah. coming in. And yeah. yeah. Um, he, to be cool, he thought to stay open until 10 and just allow people to sit in the foyer area and everybody is in there smoking dirts. And um, then he had Sublime show up one day and we had all, all the stores had to lock the doors because Sublime was in the middle of the foyer. Sublime? There. Sublime. They set up and it was bitching to see them yeah. because the lead singer was still alive and yeah. it was fucking crazy, but not on my dime. Nobody, yeah. I mean, it Nobody was, was shopping. Like, like, no, our yeah. shop was... Just, Demolished. The people <laughs> were on there and the whole... It, it was... A tornado that went around through that whole center. Yeah. Of the air, and we're like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? He yeah. was experimenting. Yeah. yeah. He didn't know what it was supposed to sound like, look like, smell like, taste like, anything. Yeah. Nothing. So, no offense to Shaheen. I, he, he's done his thing, and he's doing it, and he's doing it his way, and, and more power to him. But we left there. And... um Modern amusement was blast. We we um, then switched it over to a men's line, and um, we did. We sold only to Tokyo and, and Osaka, and we forgot about the United States. We didn't sell any. We had our little store where we sold things, but it was. Um, Is that when you moved it to Seventeenth Street? Yeah. Okay. We were up there on 17th Street, and that was that was our little store, and we were able to do all sorts of different little one-off things in there, way before the one-off like kind of craze was happening. But in Tokyo, what we had two distributors, one in Osaka, one in Tokyo. We would send them all our tech packs and all our designs. Along that, we would send it to our factory in in China. The two distributors would approve, approve, approve of the 30, 40 piece line. They would pick out what they wanted. They would send the LC, set up an LC with the factory and have the factory send them the first strike off, the first samples, the production samples. They would send me the production samples. I didn't have to pay for any of the production of it, of their order. They would pay for that. Then they would send the 50% deposit, deposit to do the production 
and they would send me 50% over here and we didn't touch it at all. That's beautiful. And they would sell out for five seasons in a row, five years in a row. We built it to about five million bucks and it was the best kept secret in the whole fucking world. It was like, whoa. What are we doing here? What, yeah. what was the distribution like in Japan? They own stores or like other retail? They just stored it. Back like then, Japan was just humming. humming. Yeah. They yeah. wanted new. They wanted uh, modern amusement. They, I have books of, of, of there some, those black books right there are filled with the editorials and all. We're in every publication over yeah. there. We had... Yeah. We had backpacks and bags. We had jackets. We had down puffer jackets before any, and we had a full-on line. Two thousand yeah. in year two thousand, I think it was somewhere around there. So when did you start selling it to like HSS? That's when we we noticed that that was slowing down in Japan. So we brought it back, and I had no distribution whatsoever. So I called Moss and Moss bought it from us and set up distribution because he had distribution here in the United States and mm -hmm. he had funding and I didn't want to use it. I just said, I'm out here, take it, do it. I worked with him for six months, maybe a little bit longer. And then I, then John Moore was there and I was just like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> what are you guys doing? It was bitching because yeah, a little Moss, kept secret. It was going mainstream. Yeah, Moss, Moss just opened up everybody, and we just sort of went, I went, okay. You, you just spent $10 million to sell $10 million. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing, there was no business. It was just, I have the money, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. Just, hmm. just a lame move. But he did it. And then well, after a year or so, he just said, um, the market's different, Yoki. And I said, yeah, could have told you that. But he did it, and and then he said, well, I'm, I'm out. And then he licensed it to PacSunwear, and PacSunwear couldn't do anything because nobody was going into PacSunwear anymore, yeah. and nobody's going into Tilly's even. I mean, it was just yeah, completely dropped off. So... Remember when I started talking to you about uh, opening up a store? Remember that? Mm -hmm. um, where were where were you then? With just in Japan? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Because um, we met like, I mean, we were that close to me opening up a modern amusement store in Huntington Beach. Remember that? Because yeah. we. I opened wanted to one. open it up in uh, Mark Nakashima's that old building on Fifth Street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember, we, we, I think you and I and Fuzzy might have went there and checked it out. You're like, dude, if you can get this, this would be insane. Yeah. But yeah. I, didn't ha I didn't have any finances. Um, but you know what? It, oh, but you know, I, I turned that, you, I turned Ryan Condor on. Right. Right. And he opened the one in LA. Yeah. Ryan he, Condor, uh, it, I think he still owns, but it's a different name. It's called South Willard now. South Willard. Yeah. yeah. And he's sells art. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> but you know he's he's another guy 
way before his time. Yeah. You, you're a guy way before your time. You hear that? I, I don't know you. I'm just in the time. I'm living in the moment. He's not way before yeah. his time. He's never on time. Yeah. Just like today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just flying my, my, own, my, own, my, own but how, my own beat. How funny is that? Like, right. Well, yeah. Sean Yano ran Sean a Yano. in That's Kapuhulu. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How long did Yano have a modern amusement? Three, four years. That's maybe. so crazy. Yeah. And same thing with Condor. It was a good long yeah, he, run. He wailed. Yeah. He killed it. And that's what I want to do now, going forward. I want to work with surfers. And yeah. I want to do small little things with yeah. them. You know, I, I would love to, um, I'd love to do something with Kai Lenny. And I'd love to do something with John John. And That'd then, be insane. You know, I'd love to do somebody who's the Brazilian surfer. I think any Italo? rider right now wants to do Italo? something. Yeah. The guy yeah. that just won? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just want to, because not that they don't have a future. They have a huge future. Yeah. But I don't know what they're going to do after their sponsor drops them in years from now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they're like, yeah, we saved up enough money, but gosh darn it, all this whole time they could be promoting their own line. Yeah. Yes. You know, so we think Mucho Aloha is that line that we introduce to the surfers around the world, and each one of them has their territory, and they each one of them has a position in Mucho Aloha in that, that country. Mm hmm. And they're the best in the surfers in the world right now, yeah. and we just do small little, like, Mucho Aloha. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's capsule not... capsule collections for that specific area. Yeah. Yeah. And we do it out of things that are being discarded down in, in Brazil, and we pull it all out, and I look at the colors, and I look at the fabrics, and I look at the people, and we get sewers, and we make things, and we just go, this is our little gig. Yeah. And, you know... It's simple, and, and we can't pay them, but they don't need to get paid. They yeah. just need to be part of something that is doing good. Yeah, and made made locally. You and know, we're made. not we're not going away anytime soon. Yeah, and, and by design we set this up this way, so that not that I was waiting for 2020, but I just needed to wait until the the whole market would catch up and start start feeling what they felt when they first time when they saw the Beatles what they felt like when they saw the 80s what they felt like when they they're going into 2020 yeah. I mean every year every day of those years new decades are are going to create so much opportunity for yeah. the people that are in there that are that have smiles on their face. Yeah. yeah. There's no more. I mean, I just saw it on that Golden Globe, and I don't want to keep going. But the 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 MC, he just says, "This oh. is not a platform for you fucking bitches to yes. get up here and start yelling and and telling yeah. everybody your point of view." It was the most amazing politics. opening. It was fucking great. The, I gotta watch it. Dude, I didn't gotta see watch it. it. It's because it, it, it called him out. It has Hypocrites. all. To do yeah. with what you guys are known for doing. I mean, Brad Pitt, fuck. It was awesome to see him. He was, he took, he, he stood up there and he was like, 
he held on to that freaking award like it was his first award again yeah. and his feeling because of all the shit I don't know what he did with Jolie Angeli Jolie yeah. I don't know what happened to the other little blonde haired girl that was in that <laughs> yeah. but I know life has not been just perfect yeah but that moment it happened yeah. at, in 2020 yeah. five days into it these people and then Tom Hanks Tom Hanks hasn't had a bad day I mean he's good <laughs> but he since bosom buddies <laughs> oh that was that was the best thing I shit but yeah. it, it I'm just but all these other no, and I don't want to say I don't even want to go there no we know what you mean though yeah. you know like yeah. it's a breath of fresh air yeah right? It's about time. It's about time. Yeah. It's about time people recognize the creatives. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not about product. Our, 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 our mass-produced product. It's politics. about the creatives. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. No. And let it. Let them fight and struggle over whatever, and let them have whatever they. Yeah. Here going forward, it's about what you're saying. It's about. People buy not what you do; they buy why you do it. Yeah. yeah. Why are we doing what we're doing? I mean, I made lots of money in this one little gap here. Yeah. This, I haven't made. I take on a project fourteen years ago, rolling up a a, a giant rock uphill, and not take a paycheck wears on your psyche yeah i gotta let you guys know it's for sure but you stand stand for something yeah and stand up straight and believe in what you do that is what's going to make the difference and so when they they write whatever they write on my tombstone they're i think they're going to say you know um he believed in it what he was doing yeah yeah he created and his own he, path and he found warm him. water yeah yeah warm, warm water. multiple times yeah well thank you <laughs> yes thank you yeah i mean yeah this this day and age you know there's a lot of hollowness out there you know that that's portrayed but i you know like there's a lot of substance and culture and there's people looking to to gravitate towards stuff yeah. you know not just what's happening cool in the mainstream or a cool product you know it's like my kid you know my 16 year old they they love going to the thrift store they love being a little bit more unique she gets vans and she markers them up and draws on them you know like the kids you know there's creative creativity yeah. out there and amongst these kids That's and it's right. not just you know i'm sticking to you know social media and i just want to copy everybody else like yeah there's a big part of that happening but there's a lot of kids that are looking to have, diversify yeah to have a little bit more substance and be connected with something that they think is is cool or you know identifies with them yeah yeah you got you got a cool this is like a museum so if, if anybody's listening please come stop by come check out yeah yoki shop on yeah. pch next the, to what's the, this the is closest this is a time capsule in here. Is it Pelican? Yeah. And that's a that's Rusty a Pelican. Rusty Pelican or Larson Riverside Shipyard. Drive. Larson Shipyard. Okay. Yeah. No affiliation, but you know, maybe. <laughs> so so, 
we were talking, what were we talking, Modern Amusement? Modern yeah. Amusement. Okay. And you Mossimo. sold it to Moss. And then you were there for six months, a year? Six months, and then split. Resigned. Resigned. Came home, and I said, my wife looked at me, and she goes, what are you doing home so so, so early? And I, said, I told her I, I resigned. She goes, oh, no. <laughs> And I said, no, don't wait, don't worry. We're going to start something of our own. And um, she goes, you've always started something on your own. <laughs> what do you have in mind? And I said, well, I want my daughter, she was 15 at the time, to have a summer project. And we're going to have her come up with a name and come up with the idea of what we're going to do. So, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Only dad's had a, a, a handful of these yeah. really huge success stories. But yeah, throw it at your daughter. She can handle it. <laughs> she she came down and said uh, that um, she wants to make something out of something that is it's already, already here. Yes. And then she said, I want to use the name... Um, Family name? Youth. Something to do with the youth market. And what I've noticed the youth market is um, they don't want a label. They're basically generic. And I said... Generic youth. How about generic youth? (laughs) So she said, that's the name. Wow. And I said, well, what's your icon what is your logo and she goes I don't know and I said okay so let's make a t-shirt and what do you want to put on it and she goes I want to put fashionista on it fashionista and I go where do you want to sell it she goes I want to sell it at Patsy's hair salon (laughs) and I said why do you want to sell it there she goes because that's where all the, the ladies are that's where the market is. All the, all of them. Yeah. They're all there. Back to the salon. And I went, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, that probably is true. So we put 12 shirts in there, and um, they sold out in a week. <laughs> so Generic Youth was something really special because it started, and it did its middle point. And then it, when we sold, that was the final. That was like her final in school. Wow. But it was for for just the summer. So she didn't do any much more after that. And then I said, well, you, you graduated. I mean, that's, to me, start, middle, and end. And I you could stick around and we could do more or we could just... Um, I could just do it. So I, I picked it up and started doing it. And Generic Youth is, um, it was, it was bitching because we're, we, we wanted to go across country and meet all the different kids in every little state, city, doing remarkable things. It was a time when kids were being discovered on, um, YouTube? YouTube wasn't around that much, really. It was more of 
people being discovered on um, what's that song? Facebook? That song oh. with Ryan Seacrest where they oh um, gosh Amer America Idol American Idol American Idol American Idol basically did what we wanted to do, but they did it in a bigger way and it was successful. Yeah, they went to every city had auditions for people to sing because everybody said I can sing but never got a chance to well yep. they gave them a chance to didn't matter if you're 12 years old or 15 or yeah. 20 or 25 you had a chance to see if you could compete in this this yeah. whole thing and that's what generic youth was supposed to be with maybe a person blowing glass or a girl playing a violin mm -hmm. or a country western guitar player out in Nashville and that never got a chance to have so it was called the unknown individual also mm. finding the unknown individual right now would be a great thing for 2020 but there's too much exposure from all the things that are rapidly shooting up and you are being discovered on YouTube. You are being discovered on on the Instagrams, yeah. and you get five thousand likes or whatever it is, and you're you're now labeled as a influencer. And you know, so but generic youth was as simple as what it was. Yeah, yeah. and then um, sounds like something that could like definitely still evolve really and, cool. and, and kind of roll with the trends and roll with the, mm -hmm. the next generation and it, it could be timeless, you know? But I, I took on a partner and that partner was doing the manufacturing part of it and the financing and he was kicking ass with his production shop that was up here in Garden Grove area. And he was making stuff for Nordstrom's private label and making stuff for Forever 21 private label wow. and he had like huge accounts that he was making tons of stuff for and then one after another each one canceled 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 Ugh. canceled canceled because that whole scene went direct and yeah everybody was like and he had to close two gigantic factories damn and lay off everybody and he goes I can't do this with you anymore and I said yeah I guess not <laughs> and wow. so we closed the brand generic youth crazy it's so crazy and yet generic youth was so special yeah it was unbelievable it Is was it still there hibernating though like or you think no, it's kind of ran it's, its course I, I I know we could do something, but um, Yoki Shop took its spot. Yeah. I just turned it into Yoki Shop. Yeah. And Yoki Shop is exactly what generic youth would have grown into. Mm. And Yoki Shop is a collection of all the different things that I've done. Um, and it, there, it's hand done, and it's finding the unknown individual, and it is um, presenting things to the market that um, I think is is what's needed. You know, yeah. people want individuality; they want one-offs. They don't mind spending a little bit more for it, and they just can't find it.
Yeah. You know, you, you could find that one off at a thrift store along with 500 other kids that are now don't going to the thrift store. Yeah. But when they, they allow me to go to the thrift store, this is what we do. We find items and we put our little Y on it. And then this, this guy wants us to put a patch on, on the cut right here, which we will. And there's the Y. And here's our name is Yokoyama now. Mm -hmm. And um, it's $24. You know, so the girl or the guy could probably very easily find a red shirt yeah. with a pocket on it, but it won't have a Y on it, and it won't have a little patch on it, and it won't have the Yoki Touch Yoki touch on it. Yeah. yeah. So um, we call this the economy-friendly line. Yeah. And, and um, because everything in here is not so high price, but it's priced accordingly yeah these you got a seamstress you got you got overhead you got customization yeah. like mm -hmm. it, yeah it's not just because you put a y on it, so it it deserves to be more expensive it's it's been touched and handled it's been yeah you know yeah it's been thoughtfully like you know just and going you know going back to like your their thrift shop and like just your time on those weekends and going and getting that stuff you know yeah. time is money like and putting your creative touch to it it's like there's a cost to that yeah right it's yeah. cool the cool factor um and then there's one other brand that we have in here it's called yoki's garden and yoki's garden is the the premier line in here basically yoki's garden okay yeah. and garden stands for gather abundance repurpose and demonstrate ethos and ethos is a greek word meaning to us doing the right thing and when do we want to do it we want to do it now, now. so g-a-r-d-e-n damn and yoki's garden we want to set up in every university across the country because they throw away their football uniforms basketball uniforms mm. track uniforms soccer lacrosse whatever and they're all made by nike on the front end or uh, Under Armour or Adidas and they're all trying to be really responsible on the front end but when it's finished in its original use they just throw it away yeah, yeah. So. And what's kind of cool there's a economic circle there with Correct. with colleges and you know I've seen you post um, the stuff we do with USC yeah right and that the alumni base right for every college it's it's generations of alumni exactly so it's cool to to kind of where, where in front of the, the front of the machine like you're saying kids use it they're done with it where does it go right yeah. landfills yeah. well hopefully some of it you're repurposing and getting it into the hands of alumni that want and, 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 you know, live for that kind of stuff. That's exactly right. Yeah. And um, we found that there's the, the market has eluded the surf market. There's not one kid at USC that's begging for a Quicksilver brand right now, a garment. They could find it anywhere. Yeah. So 
but that what they can't find is a game worn uniform that's been applied onto a shirt. Yeah. And it has the fight on fingers on it. And it's right there in front of them. Yeah. You know? And there's 30,000 kids that are at enrolled at USC alone that are 18 to 22. Yeah. Quicksilver can't find an 18 to 22 year old that wants Quicksilver. No offense, but we can find an 18 to 22, 30,000 of them that want something that say fight on yeah. or cardinal and gold. So if Quicksilver would have taken on this re this responsibility and been rolling the rock up the hill, they would be in the best position right here at 2020. Yeah. I mentioned this to them years ago. <laughs> Bob McKnight went to USC. He yeah. graduated from the Marshall School of Business, along with all the other alumni that are down here, which big time around the world it it is approximately a million alumni live in orange county no just, just, I've gone just through around the world yeah yeah around the world and they still scream and yell for fight on yeah cardinal and gold yeah so bob i tell him bob you don't have to worry about the colors you don't have to worry about manufacturing on the front end responsibly Nike's already done that. You don't have to worry about ever running out of any product to do or a market that's going to not accept a neon green. Yeah. Because we're not going to make neon green. You yeah. think neon's happening in Florida? Well, it's not happening in Brazil. Or yeah. Brazil's not looking at, you know, what Africa's doing. And Africa's not concerned with what Australia. But. Yeah we as designers have to figure all that out and you you crack the whip every day and saying come on designers do this well we don't have to worry about changing the colors because they're already approved on the front end yeah, yeah. and that happens every year at 250 d1 schools wow and you're wondering why you don't have anybody coming into your Quicksilver store. You wonder why nobody's coming into your Billabong store. You wonder why nobody walks into your Hurley stores. And and you wonder why you don't have 30,000 people at Tilly's. Because there's nothing there for them. Yeah. There's 30,000 kids that are there for four years. You haven't engaged. That want cardinal and gold. Yeah. And the parents. And yeah. the parents. Yeah. So there's so many things that we could do with that alone. So um, not that I'm looking for an investor because it doesn't take money to collect somebody's trash. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't take much to try to market it to a company or a school that has 30,000 people there and 70,000 at a football game and a million alumni and 5,000 new um, incoming freshmen and 5,000 graduating. It doesn't take much marketing. Yeah. But you also have that customer for life because Thank they're, you. An alum, you know, yeah. they're an alumni. They're, they're, that, they're always that's a pride and joy. That's so you know who year. wants those customers for yeah. life? This company. Everybody does. Yeah. 
Coke, Levi's, Coke, yeah. Levi's, yeah. Chanel from from Cradle Louis. to Grave. So yeah. that's, you see, that's a thing yeah. right there. You see why these other companies that sat here and raced to the bottom, yeah, will never be able to figure out this formula. And if they do figure it out, they have no opportunity of playing in it in the future because nobody's going to believe them. Yeah. yeah crazy and we you mentioned early on their brand loyalty there's no brand loyalty to any of these brands that are all around no they are to this yeah yeah they are to maybe b of a they are to chanel yeah but they're not to quicksilver billabong hurley ruka volcom yeah not anymore yeah the major population has changed the demographics have changed and if you just follow the demographics of what your own family is presenting to you yeah we'll be able to be on time yeah we'll be able to make some cool Hear stuff that? i'm on time <laughs> be on time so that's about the extent of our brands i mean we do have mucho aloha but but um now, Bucho Aloha, you're saying there's a hot sauce and a beer too, right? Correct. Okay, and that's somebody else's that's part of the partner, brand. My ex-partner. We had a company called Pigeon Orange together. Mucho Aloha was just a t-shirt. You might know him, Gabriel Tenberg. He lives in Hawaii. He's in the North Shore now. He's a Kauai boy. Yeah. Yeah, he surfs pretty well. He's active in the, in the world of surfing, but his um, son, which I forgot his name, but um, he's an up-and-coming. Nice. He's young, and he's really Ripper. good. Mm. Yeah. He surfs with... Um, God, there's a kid that surfs out in front in Newport. His grandpa always takes him out. Huh. But he's on tour. He was sponsored by Hurley, but probably no more because Hurley sold to some company and... New York City. Yeah. <laughs> so. Some some company. That's what everybody's talking about. Some yeah. company. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> to see all the longtime pros that have been writing for him saying, you know, thank you, Hurley. Yeah. Already, you know, kind of yeah. letting it be known. Right. Yeah. I mean, Bob, yeah. I mean, Are that's you, a whole other conversation. With Ruka. I'm with Ruka, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've been there for a long, long time. And uh, it's a great brand. They're doing great. I mean, they're they they you know they've kind of carved their own path. You know, didn't try to copy anybody, and still doing their own thing. You know, not chasing the trends too much as mo most brands do. Kind yeah. of pigeonhole themselves, and you know, we could be, I mean, sized up to a, a you know an Alex Nose kind of you know artsy do-it-yourself DIY type of guy or you could be on a jock or you could be on an older guy like me yeah. or you could be on a you know so they're, they're or a younger guy like me or yeah they're <laughs> you know like like we've talked about it's really hard for brands to stay relevant and, and continue on and you know I'm, I hope, had a meeting hope with I got them 10 more years and <laughs> I talked to them a little bit about Mucho Aloha yeah. and um, I think Pat sees the value but yeah. um, overall their company doesn't can't can't budge right now. No. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Well, I think they have a lot on their plate, right? Yeah. yeah. They've got yeah. a a barn full of horses that you know yeah. need to get 
they, trotting. They need to get some exercise. <laughs> they need to get exercise and trotting. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's cool. I mean, just going in, you know, me and Lennon service all the, you know, the core shops along the coast. And, you know, more often than not, you know, we're, we're seeing and hearing from them that they need newness. Just like, you yeah. know, they need the, the next cycle of brands to come through that identify with that youth culture. And, you know, it's an evolving, you know, an evolving door. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for... For good brands. For good brands and, you know, the, the, the big brands and if they do it right and their marketing and, you know, the, the athletes and the events and, what you know, stick to what they're good at and, you know, mm-hmm. there's room for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, just yeah. follow your passion. Follow yes. what works. Yes. Make sure there's warm water. Make sure yeah. there's warm water. I love warm water. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh, my God. I so, was going to go out this morning and it was just a little... Have you been surfing a lot still? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, what do, what, what kind of board are you riding right now? It's oh, kind of, it's kind of old, but um, Christian Walk made one for me. It's a brand called Canvas, and it's a quad fin, mm. and it's about 5'6". Wow. And it's it has a step deck on it, so there's a little bit more beef, but it's shaped like a longboard in the front. And squash tail in the back, yeah. Squad and it it flies. It it really does. That's insane. And it's it's sturdy enough for me still at sixty four that I could get up and paddle. That's beautiful. So, Whatever can keep you out there. Yeah. And then I I'm riding a five six twin fin from God. What's the kid's name? He's right up in Costa Mesa. He's a Newport kid. Um, tan, tan, uh, not Tanner, not Tanner um, his friend. Uh, yeah, I not Tyler Warren. No, no. There's all kinds of guys. A younger kid, and he's. I've known him since he was a little guy, and I don't know why I'm slipping on his name. And then I buy a couple boards from Bob Hurley. Bob Hurley. He's my neighbor. Sick. So <laughs> I saw Bob the, yesterday's morning. Or his, yeah, and I talked to Brother Bill. And yeah. I saw Bill uh, over the weekend out in Southside. They were. They yeah. were out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he he got really um, more more high-performance boards, which I don't need because yeah. I'm not a high-performance surfer. But I like getting one just so that if I do go somewhere where I need to really try to put my skills back into place. Yeah. like. It, you know, you need a board. I went, yeah. I went to Tavarua with Bob and his whole little week, and Bob let me use a six-six Channel Island that he had. It was a four-fin also, and I just, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had any fun on any other board. He he goes just ride it for the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. said okay. And it paddled into waves, I, and it was not fast big out, and loose, and, it was fast. and just a rock. Just, yeah, key, goes you could just dr- make a turn, you know, and and yeah. especially on those big, big face waves. Yeah. And then so, we surfed the inside where um, it's a bit quicker, and but it still worked, you know that yeah. that breakfast spot. Yeah. Inside. 
Restaurants or restaurants? Yeah, yeah. breakfast spot. <laughs> you know what I'm talking. about. You know where the fire coral is <laughs> oh about like six inches underneath your fins when you're like trying. But to no, fish. no, those guys never, never make me go out any when it's dangerous. They know that no. I, you know, I'm just I'm fair weather guy. Yeah. You know, make it make it fun for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like Lyndon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although you've been, you've been kind of charging a little bit harder these last mm-hmm. couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. See. <laughs> Well, shoot, man. We're at two hours and 45 minutes. That's a long time, fellas. That's a long time, huh? I hope I didn't bore you to death. No oh. way, man. This stuff is gold. You are officially yeah. the most interesting man in Oh, Newport. shoot. Thank you. Bro, man. like, in your body of work, like I said Crazy. before. Yeah. You know, you've probably helped push the design, the aesthetic, a lot of things to make the surf culture yeah. industry that much better yeah you know well, what i mean thank you I, I, you're That'd definitely nice, the that's a very nice thing thank you i, I, I well, think like i said before you're the kevin bacon of the surf industry <laughs> yeah. you, you've you know touched very, a lot of different um brands and 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 um the people behind it you know you've, yeah, you're yeah. influenced i hate the word influencer but you're an influence to our industry yeah, and it's it's awesome to be able to sit down and tell your story. Yeah. You know, thank you. Yeah, and I mean to have one successful brand is amazing for anybody, but to do it continually Multiple times. and again and again and, and still doing it to this day, it's like, wow. yeah, we wish you the best, man. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, Yoki's you. Garden, Yoki's Garden, yeah, Yoki's Shop, Yoki's Shop, and then Mucholo, oh Yokoyama. So again, what what's the difference? Yoki's Garden is your well, Yoki's shop is going to be um, the online okay thing platform. So to, yeah, and Yoki's shop was also good for us when we wanted to test things, but we also um, wanted to build a thing like not the real real or Pret-a-Porter or any. It, it's just more of Yoki's shop. We think that if we've established Yoki's shop and it's a lifestyle website, then we could like find other brands that are somewhat like-minded and bring them in mm. to our shop along with our product, but sell their product to the market. We also felt that as we spoke earlier, there's there's a guy in Brazil. He does Yoki Shop website, Yoki Shop Brazil. Yeah. So that he gets one of a kind things from me, but he also makes one of a kind things in his territory, and he sends it to the people that he knows. So this guy, whoever you mentioned that's the world champion down there. He knows 5,000 people that I don't know. Yep. He knows his city that he lives in or that he surfs in. And he knows that he could reach all these people within a five-minute Instagram or a five-minute post of something on the website. He speaks the language down there. I don't. So there's Yoki Shop 
Brazil. And he shares all his information with me, Yoki Shop USA or Newport Beach. Because I think we should do Yoki Shop in New York, but not a brick and mortar, but Yoki Shop NYC and find a guy out there that is running it where he has a hundred thousand people coming to his Instagram alone that he knows that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the future of retail in a company called Yoki Shop and then we fill it and we back fill it and we underpin it with brands that we think are unique and interesting but also our own brands, you know. So I would do a run of corduroy. They don't sell to New York because they're more West Coast. But then I do a run of wool shirts. They sell in New York, and it, we sell the flannels out here. Brazil wants more ocean-related things. We make more little shorts and little windbreakers, and but not technical because everybody could find technical from Lululemon to Nike to Big Five. Yeah. And, we and you're talking it. about repurposed. All sorts of cool stuff yeah. in every parts of the world and sell it through the Yoki shop and sell it. Because if I sell it to Tokyo and they buy off of my website, then they pay $58 to have it shipped to their but what I want is this one guy to come work with me direct we talk and I make a bunch of cool stuff I come to Tokyo make a cool bunch of stuff and then he sells it but he also has backfill of Mucho Aloha t-shirts sweatshirts and caps mm. and he sells those on a day to day those yeah. are runners and then he sells to, just to all the cities here and it's like $10 to his customer. And his website's written in Japanese. And his website is, you know, yeah. and handles their currency. Yeah. And this the same as this. And same with this. And same with this. Yeah. And same with this. That's cool. So it almost reminds me of, like, how shapers go to different countries and shape a bunch exactly. of boards. Yeah. And yeah. then, mm -hmm. you know, sell that and then sell their stuff that's, you know, made their there. little T-shirts. Well, that and... and Style is different, fits are different all totally. over, you know, and mm -hmm. you need to identify with like, I mean, to go have a fit model for that and you're shipping, you know, it, it just simplifies everything in a global yeah. market, but you're partnering up with locals and doing and it more. Partnering up with local surfers yeah. local or local influencers and, and people, people that are that, that are in, in the there. community. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that know, because I don't know one person in New York. Yeah. And I do get orders from New York. But it would be so bitching for this guy out here to just buy it from me at wholesale, put it in here, and as a rep now, if this is a rep, all he has to do is put it online in Yoki Shop. And sure. they see Yoki Shop here, and I say Yoki Shop NYC. They go to Yoki Shop NYC and see something totally different there. He makes the margins from wholesale to retail, not a six or eight percent commission. Yeah. After the store sells it, minus the returns, 
minus everything by the time you guys get your your commission is now down to about six percent because what you actually wrote and they filled yeah a half of that has been sent back yeah. as a deduction a write down dollars immediately what you're, you're like well, what the fuck i just spent <laughs> all that time driving to these things we just set up a store in huntington with the website but we we can't do that because we're in newport but no. that would be well, we, we can make it work <laughs> you 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 want to move back to Hawaii? You set up the little store, yeah. and you keep your day job. Yeah. But you come home and you look on your website. You go wait. I have fifteen fucking orders. Yeah. I gotta sit ship to Kailua. I gotta ship to Maui. I gotta ship to Kauai, and then shoot, I gotta give Yoki a call and say I need to backfill some more mucho aloha teas. <laughs> aloha. That's all it is. Yeah. And then you buy the tea at wholesale and make the margin from wholesale to retail as if it's your own store, but you're the rep. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Sounds it's like better. a great little network. It, yeah. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. It's just like Mary Kay or whatever that, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's not a chain and it's not a pyramid. A pyramid. Yeah. It is your own little business. Yeah. Yeah. In that territory. Yeah. I could take that business. I would love to build that business under Yoki's shop all by myself. But I can't. Yeah. And I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather open it up to everybody in this this next term so that you could you could feed your three kids and just along with your regular job you have this other thing going on uh, oh I got 15 more orders shit it, LA alone there's 14 million people that so don't crazy. even know what mucho aloha is and half of them are Hispanic yeah <laughs> and I sit and I just go yay 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 yeah <laughs> and Target we spoke with my friend from Target and they're saying they need a Hispanic piece in their world yeah yeah it's, it's and Walmart needs it and it, but you just keep your pricing right where it is we don't you don't need to reduce it yeah it's at $40 you don't need to give them terms because it's you own this inventory and you put it in and wow, it's sold. Can I get a few more? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can make that work. Right. Print money. Well, that's yeah. That's what we thought years ago. Now what it is is just building a small little business on the side. Yeah. With the people, the brotherhood. Yeah. The 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 people that you like to do stuff with, and people that can actually do it, but also they need the money yeah yeah why oh i don't want to go and sell it to barney's and then have them close their doors on me yeah i did that already <laughs> yeah I, it, it doesn't work did not take that po and put you out of business yeah, yeah. well pat mcgee's down in texas they owed me a hundred thousand dollars and what was it called what was his name jim bowman jim bowman jimbo he said okay i'm i can't pay you back and I just went, oh. 
God. And Melian Sons lost $100,000 that day. Crazy. Crazy. Because he went into bankruptcy, and then he filed, and, and he said, I could pay you 10 cents on the dollar, and here's our plan. And yeah. We took 10 cents on the dollar. Well, it sounds like you got a good approach to moving forward, and it's it's inspiring. It's different, you know? It's definitely yeah. eye-opening for other people to think differently. Yeah. 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 It's well, cool. thank you. I'm glad we could do this. Yeah. Yeah. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> it's a long time. Thanks for your time. Yeah. We've been trying to hit you up for a long time, but, you know, schedule's been crazy, and yeah. travel, and life. Life. And life is juggling all, all we got on our plates. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, this has well, been let amazing. Let me know if you need anything else on there. I think we covered a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a a, a and cool. I, you know, I think if you can, and when you do edit, if there's anything where I'm bad mouthing any of these companies, no, oh, yeah, it, I don't want that in there. I don't need to no. say that Quicksilver's, you know. No, I don't think. Uh, yeah, took advantage of us and stuff like that. But you know, just softly. Yeah, you know, just be conscious of it. That's For sure. the only thing that, because I don't need them to come back and go fucking Yoki just laid down all <laughs> sorts of shit. And it, even though it needs to be told, yeah, and because well, it's no secret. I mean, it's yeah. all stuff that you know, majority of yeah. people know. But yeah, there's no bad talk. It was just yeah. calling out the obvious. Right on. Yeah, yeah, right on. We're honest. But I can't believe the body of work that you've yes. Uh, done, you know. From I'm giving you, I'm giving you a full round of applause. <laughs> Maui and Sons that that was supposed to, to be a cookie, you know. Well, first of all, kid kid from Glendale, right? Who went who to Hawaii? Hashtag yeasty kid from Ye <laughs> Glendale wearing his suit all the way back home. No, I'm just kidding. Going to Hawaii, figuring out he wants to be a hairstylist, right? Got inspired by Warren Beatty and shampoo, right? <laughs> That got you to gave you a little bit of fashion sense, and then we didn't really hear why you wanted to start a cookie company. Maui and Sons was supposed to be a cookie company, right? But the cookie crumbled, and then you started making cool T-shirts and clothing. You were roommates with Rick Ritfeld, mm -hmm. right? And luckily, and his his art and your fashion sense created Maui and Sons which was one of the most iconic brands in our industry still around today yeah. right yeah um pirate surf holy shit that pirate was surf. that was one of the first you know brands that was way edgier than any brand out there right um from there you worked at Stussy um started your own line again Modern, Modern amusement, yeah, right, and then here we are today with Yoki Shop, right? Yeah, and it's what is it? Rethink or redesign or what, what was your four? Design different, make different, and sell different. Sell different, yeah. That's uh, Jeff Yokoyama. That's right. Right. That's right. Thanks yes. for being on the Late Night with Chalky podcast, man. We Thanks really appreciate it. Thanks, Yoki. Okay. The first one of 2020. Yes. Yeah. Double shotgun. Hey, and this is, this is the year of what? 2020 vision. 
Yeah. You got to be able to see where you're you going. To, you got to be able to see where we're going. Don't be late, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Yoki. Thank you, Yoki. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.